Good morning, class. Welcome to the latest Art Eater podcast. This is uh, number 16, I think, right? Number 16. Yep. Um, today will finally be the conclusion to our, our thrilling, epic, multi-part retrospective on the Guilty Gear series and uh, Arc System Works in general, actually. So today, finally, uh, we will be getting to Guilty Gear Strive, the uh, upcoming Guilty Gear game that... Um, yeah, it's just been announced. There's no uh, final date, and uh, there was a brief um, a beta test, right? And uh, some of the folks here have actually uh, played the game. Yeah. 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 All right. So um, I'll just uh, yeah. Um, if if you're just tuning in, just know that we have like what like uh, five, <laughs> I think like five other podcasts on Guilty Gear for you to catch up on. Uh, we started all the way back with the very first one. We've been slowly going through the series. Um, yeah, if, if you would like to go through things in chronological order, go go ahead and uh, skip back a few podcasts, and we'll we'll still be here for you later. Um, so yeah, if 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 you have been tuning in, uh, just a quick recap. Um, so before last time, we talked about uh, Guilty Gear uh, Exerd, and uh, not only did we talk about the game, we talked about how it was also significant in uh, the next step of uh, Arc System Works as a company, where um, the game actually, as beautiful as it was, it didn't sell all that well, but it did establish that they were the premier developers of cel-shaded fighting games. And uh, because of how impressive that game was, they were able to get, uh, the you know, work on licensed games like Dragon Ball Z Fighters and, um, and uh, Grand Blue Fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, yeah, and those games have sold uh, really well, spectacularly well. Um, and that, uh, you know, has let them advance as a company and take Guilty Gear to the uh, next level with Guilty Gear Strive. Um, so Guilty Gear Strive, I think they announced that they were working on it in 2018. Yep. Um, and then they actually showed the actual uh, first uh, premiere trailer of it uh, last year at uh, Evo uh, 2019, and um, oh man, that was that was a a big deal. Um, this is something we keep talking about as we talk about Guilty Gear. It's like the series keeps kind of pushing the envelope for uh, what's possible with fighting games, and it, it's just every single time. You know, like the first Guilty Gear was just this amazing anime fighter. Um, Guilty Gear X was like the first like real HD-ish. Uh, at the time, it was considered HD uh, 2D fighting game, right? Like just mm -hmm. super clear, felt like playing an anime. And then they upped the ante again with, um, you know, with with uh, Exerd. And now, when everyone was like, oh, wow, like they perfected cell shading. Now they're like, nope, nope, like we can do even better. So uh, <laughs> yeah, let's get some... What was everyone's uh, first impression when when that um, when that that strive when that strive trailer uh, uh, launched? I, I think I think the best thing I can say is that uh, the threshold for quality that beer has been held. Um, this game <laughs> literally looked like a show that was about to be streamed. Like that was yeah. my first impression <clears throat> when I saw it. It literally looked like they had made an anime with their <laughs> software. And I, there was a moment, like a very small moment for me where I was like, wait, I can play this? This isn't a cutscene? 
Oh my mm-hmm. God. And then, you know, you realize, wow, you're taking in so much visual information. Um, and it sounds weird to say that because, you know, Exert is a visually dense game. There's oh, yeah. a lot going on uh, compositionally with uh, UIs, with the character animations, with the backgrounds themselves. Um, and that's a lot of information to take in. But it's as if there's even more information, but there's certain aspects that were done to the character designs that minimized it so you didn't feel like it was a complete overload. But it just looked yeah. beautiful to a point that this looked like something that you would dream about and not be able to articulate. But they found a way to create something that's better looking visually uh, to a degree, because there's some things we need to talk about regarding Strive that do need to be addressed visually. Um, but in terms of like the initial impression of the game itself, it's like, this shouldn't be possible. That's what Strive looks like. Um, and that's how I felt when I saw it. And I was super excited to uh, get a chance to play it. So like, you know, I was like, well, you know, we, they're going to do a beta test at some point, but, you know, maybe I'll get in, maybe I won't. And uh, I was super excited when I got, you know, notification that I was going to be able to actually play it. So, um, yeah, I lost my mind when I saw it. I, I it literally is like the best looking game. Like, it's just there was a point when Third Strike was like the most beautiful fighting game on the planet. And I love that game. And I still think it's a very beautiful game. Uh, it's just that Strive is achieving a particular type of aesthetic that is like unparalleled. Oh my! Um, and it's hard to, because Third Strike is just like it's so beautiful, and I don't want to ever betray it for any reason. But <laughs> Strive's visual aesthetic is something that you can't shake a candle at. Wow, wow, that is uh, the highest praise I've I think I've ever heard you lay on anything visually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow, thanks, James. Um, yeah, uh, Thomas, Sean, you got you got a first first impressions on uh, Guilty Gear Strive. Mm. So that that um, just you know that that Evo launch uh, trailer, um, it starts off with a crow flying through mm. the air, right? Mm, the infamous and, crow. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, they they redid the the three sixty spin of camera. Uh, yeah. that was famous for Xrd, you know. Yeah. And out, what can we say? I, I think what's interesting is that the the game is way more subtle. No, there's a lot of subtlety in this game compared to um, to the preview to to Xrd, in the sense of how to say it. There's like it's less it's less charge, like uh, like James explained. They did changes that makes the game more easy to read. And after mm. they, they completely broke it with the UI, but we'll talk about it later. And the the thing that I'm really impressed with, with in this game is that they added all the kind of environmental effects that were missing in the previous games. Like the previous mm. games, they were kind of clean. It was like celluloid style, you know. Mm. And in this one, it's more, I don't know, 3D, 3D-ish or painted, painted maybe, and it looks a bit more to me like if Xrd was like a very pretty TV series, uh, Strive to me is like the the full feature film, you know, in terms yes. of quality. And to me, it's like the and even in the in the animations of the because that was that was one of the things that di- didn't work quite well in Xrd, in my opinion, is that. 
you know, all the, the animations when you, you do a super or things like that, there, there wasn't a lot of uh, animation frames. And this time they decided that instead of d going in the, you know, very easily cut animation style, they should follow a, a trend that I think, I'm not sure it's a trend, but I suppose it's a trend of well animating, you know, with a lot of in-between frames and a lot of, um, I don't know how to say, but mo movies, may, uh, what what the game made me think about was uh, about the, the movie Promare from uh, Studio Trigger, you know, the, the this aesthetic, this full, very well animated things. It's, it's a complete overhaul, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's like the full feature film instead of doing just the series, to me. Yeah, I just yeah, I want to interject and, and add to what Thomas is saying because he, he brought up a really good point, um, and it's kind of full circle to something that I may have mentioned before regarding Studio Trigger and uh, Ultra Super Pictures. Um, I, I referenced this very old 2005 or 2008 video where they were basically implementing and experimenting with 3D and 2D, like, animation. Mm. And, you know, Exerd, to me, was, like, what they were trying to do. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, Arxis has, you know, been in their own, you know, training ground and, you know, like, honing this particular craft. Uh, and ironically, you know, Promare, you know, came out, like, not that long ago. And it's like, you look at Strive, and you look at Promare and it's like in their own way, both of these companies are for, you know, for lack of a better word, no pun intended, they are striving toward uh, <laughs> like a particular type of aesthetic. <laughs> and it's interesting because I just bought Promare uh, like not that long ago. And, you know, I watched it again and it, it has this, this feeling of like, well, yeah, we're going to push the envelope in terms of not just having the, anime aesthetic beyond screen but we're going to further experiment with it by adding more in-betweens it's almost like they're animating on ones um like which seems like a lot of tireless work uh to to put into like a game especially when you have so many characters that are going to be in it but the payoff is just it's overwhelmingly worth it in terms of what the character models came out to be and it's something that even if you're not uh into fighting games or into anime fighters or whatever like this game is going to catch people's attention and they're going to confuse it for like a tv show until they realize that they can play it um and that's an interesting feeling to to actually wiggle the stick and oh. see that the character's moving and uh, looking that good i just remembered something that the game made me think about the maybe that's because the there's guy who is a, a blonde guy with you know um blonde guy but have you seen the the anime by kyoani um violet evergarden oh yeah yes. yeah very beautiful and tv show very beautiful and you know in this tv show there's a lot there's a lot of moments where the environment the the the, the lightning for example is very is very pushed and uh, there's a lot of things a lot of, of things happening uh with light with, with light dark and things like that and there's also a lot of still moments where the character instead of just you know being still and watching 
they have very, very subtle movements of heads and mouths and eyes and things like that with a lot of in-between frames inside that. Mm. And that's the things that XRL, I think, not copied, but we're, <laughs> we can talk about what they are copying for, for this game. But the, the there's this whole, yes, premium, you know, premium... Um, anime aesthetics that uh, yeah. is developing and they they, they, they went 100% inside this, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd like to dig into that a bit. Um, the, the metaphor you made earlier, that is exactly what I thought when I first saw it. I was like, man, like, it turns out Exerd was the TV show. This is the feature film. Like, they're really pushing it in every way. Um, uh, let, let's talk about the animation. Like, Traditionally, Guilty Gear has very uh, pose-to-pose, kind of like intentionally flat animation. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually always felt animation was never really the series' uh, strong point. You know, no. like um, uh, in terms of actual movement, uh, they, they don't really compare to uh, Capcom or SNK at their best. Not, not that it, I mean, but they're still excellent, but they're not quite on that level. But I think with this one, they, I mean, uh, okay, so like, the 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 purpose of this game, the stated purpose, was to reimagine Guilty Gear from the ground up. So it wasn't like, a, you know, they even said this is not a return to the roots. It's not an evolution. This is like a totally new Guilty Gear, and I I think uh, you could see that in everything, uh, even you know just the basic movement. It's much more full and dimensional now, and it's um it's not just that they're actually embracing that it's a 3d game a little more it's it's just the style of the animation too it's um like you said it's 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 higher frame rate which which is funny because you know typically like 3d games you 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 get like an automatic (laughs) 60 frames per second anyways on a new system but i i don't think the game is um always running at 60 frames per second they're still controlling it Mm. they're still doing um kind of they're still definitely posing it very much like frame to frame, but I think they are allowing themselves to have the computer tween it in some of those little moments that you were mm-hmm. talking about, Thomas. Like uh, uh, the air, the, for example, when you, you look yeah. at Axel, for example, in his trailer, Intropos, it's not moving in 60 FPS, but you see, it, yeah. even if he's, he's doing, you know, he, he touches the butterfly and the time stops or starts again, and you yeah. see he's not moving, but his hair as overlapping a very well animated f- action. And that's the kind of things that you, you you see in this game that makes it very beautiful. The same for Kai's air or, or soul air, things like that. Yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah, I think um, that's actually a hallmark of just anime uh, style, Japanese style animation is mm. uh, that, that um, irregular uh, rhythm and oftentimes irregular frame rates, uh, which, you know that started off as a as a budgetary limitation of uh, you know TV animation, but it's grown into like its own style, um, and you you see that at at play in in um, Stride. Like there are moments where you they they get like a confirmed hit, and then the game just slows down for like a beat, and then it the frame rate does go up for that little moment, and it's they allow the computer to tween it, but it it totally works. It doesn't feel artificial at all. It just feels like you're stretching that little moment out just a tiny bit. Um, so I think that's cool. Like they're they're embracing that it's 3D. Um, I think it's it's no longer about like let's make it look as 2D as possible. It's just like let's make it as appealing as possible, whatever <laughs> that means. Uh, yeah. 
maybe Sean, uh, you want to tell yeah, us how yeah. you felt too. Um, no, I, I definitely agree with what everyone's saying. Uh, for for me, the uh, if I compare it to when I saw the initial trailer to when I actually saw gameplay, uh, a lot of what I focused on changed a lot. Uh, there's there's something about it, it's got a a raw quality to. Uh, the, like that kind of hand-drawn element they've been always going for that feels like it really lands with this one. Uh, like if you're watching it kind of close up as the camera's rotating or uh, whatnot, like it's still, it doesn't feel 3D at all. It, uh, the, the edges, to your point, they feel more full. Uh, the, the outlines and the background lighting feel uh, more controlled. Uh, so that was kind of my like initial impression. But then going into the, the once I saw more of the gameplay, uh, I was actually struck by how how much more uh, bold they became. I think it's very uh, evident in the way that they do the text treatments and the way that the UI is done. Uh, they're more. It's like I don't know if it's a confidence, but um, you know how like when they do the the counters and it does the slowdown and it takes up the entire screen with a background mm -hmm. set of the uh, of like a kind of a bold white text uh, or things like you no know, the some of the. Um, uh, the, the dust animation stuff do like a subtle slowdown mm -hmm. uh, and they use a lot more kind of muted color uh, in a lot of places so uh, I don't know I, I think to your I, I kind of agree I think it's more of a uh, wanting to be more stylish but I also do think that there's a bit more confidence in their decisions uh, I don't think that you use muted colors on a UI or you use kind of like the, the plume lighting uh, as something on the background of a character unless you feel really good about the art style you're using. Uh, I also noticed that in, in past games, they've generally achieved the look by not respecting the light source, um, yeah. but by having each character be individually lighted. And this one, I, it really struck me how the light of the environment is much more impactful to the characters and yeah. the way that they move around it in this one. Yeah, there's, there are literally stages like that happens at night and you, you have no lightning. Like, well, you have lightning because we wouldn't see anything, but it's it's really hard to see what's happening sometimes. And uh, and what's impressive is that in some stages, part of the stage is light and part of the stage is shaded. And when the character moves inside, they, they, they change. So that, that seems stupid because that, yeah, video games, 2020, <laughs> lightning, oh, incredible. But... <laughs> but but when you think about it, that's that's uh, as we said, that's um, a cell shaded game, and they started making this um, this other source of lightning appearing in. Uh, I think it was in Revelator. Like if Saul does the the gun flame, you can see the the red of the flames appearing on uh, his three D model, and they continued this in uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z. But mm. it's a whole new level right now. It's really, really, really something else. Yeah, I um, so I'm I'm watching the uh, first. I'm still stuck on that first reveal trailer. I'm watching <laughs> it in slow motion on on YouTube. I love that it has that feature now. Um, I just noticed uh, they do so much frame rate modulation. Like right in that first shot when they grab their weapons, like the the electricity is at a higher frame rate. You know, yeah. than than characters. And then when the camera starts spinning, the, the camera and the characters actually, um, they they move 
separately. <laughs> it's they're doing two D tricks. They're still treating it as if um, it was uh, traditional animation, and I I don't think it's necessarily like a a, a fetishistic like let's make it two D thing so much as um, this makes it feel less sterile and and literal. You know, mm-hmm. like it, yeah. it, it makes it feel more vibrant and intentional. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. super impressed. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very, and the character design. Oh my god, I I told that in the last episode that I didn't enjoy the uh, Ixod character design, but this mm. one, it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Kai in full black bodysuit, like oh, the game was sold instantly, instantly. They removed so much crap <laughs> they added <laughs> on the previous game, like it doesn't have, you know. The, we 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 talk about like the the air is moving right and they are they they, they keyframed a lot of you know um, uh, of uh, secondary actions and things like that, and yeah. but they had it they removed also a lot of motives a lot of uh, of this secondary animation that were way too obvious in the previous game like for example Kai he has his uh, he lost his ponytail for example. And oh, yeah. but his hair right now is much more beautiful than it ever was. <laughs> he has like normal hair, you know. And yeah. th- that's the same for Soul. They 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 found they found also s- like simple tricks to to separate. For example, you know that he has a, his jacket there, and uh, that's a, that's a very smart things. I don't know in English how do you say it, but he, he ah. Oh, you, puff, I can't say in English. <laughs> Sorry. You, but, are you uh, talking the, about his jacket? His yeah, puff? his jacket. You know the the. Um, it's the uh, it's yeah, it's color. You know, there's this white band, this white color on his arms, and it makes a limitation between his skin, his jacket, and it's oh yeah, very very readable. You know, and that's something that's done with the uh, with the inside of the jacket that is returned upside down. So things they, they are like. That's true, super good character design in there. And Kai is the same, you know, with the, his little cape. That is not a cape, that's the jacket, but he wears it as a cape. That's so much, there's so much subtlety. Like, they, they won't yeah. say he's a kind of prince, he's the kind of, you know, uh, medieval knight. He has his, uh, his sword, he's now uh, a crucifix, <laughs> a cross. And, yeah. But that's some small details that pass the message Instead of saying to you in your face, "Hey, look, look! It's like fate, grand order," but it's a it's a guy, you know. <laughs> I, I I'll definitely agree. I think um, this is the first Guilty Gear game in a while where the the character designs, uh, obviously they've always been slightly evolved, but but it isn't just Kai. If you look at like Kai's design, May's design, um, they all are streamlined into a, a a modern feel that doesn't feel obtrusive it feels like a very natural but very thoughtful evolution like it makes it more readable uh the i think what you were kind of talking about like the elements they animate um they still have elements like soul has that kind of uh the this this it's not a ribbon but like the kind of uh strap that he has it still animates very clearly as part of his uh part of his idol pose but it is it's really the only thing it's not like they have 90 buckles that animate or something Mm -hmm. it's uh it's much more focused and like uh i didn't realize it until you started talking about it how much i liked the evolution from 
Kai's like ponytail all white. I'm a holy knight with with buckles and flowing robes into like the 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 the, the kind of black um, bodysuit with the overcoat and the the shorter haircut. Like it feels like a really sleek evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a much more like matured uh, design. Um, yeah. I, I think uh, the the previous Mature one. Mature is a good word. Yeah, um, like uh, Xrd was very, very super anime, which uh, you know a lot of people would be like, well, yeah, of course, Guilty Gear is an anime fighter, but um, it the 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 first one really had more of like a, a manga feeling. <laughs> I, that's a very subtle but important distinction. Like um, it 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 felt more it felt more uh, lived in, uh, and I think that's the direction they're going for this one. And um, I just like. I think it's amazing that the characters are actually the models are way more detailed and complex in Strive, but they're also way more legible and clear looking. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, for instance, like, do you notice everyone's wearing a jacket now? This is like a, a Guilty Gear fall <laughs> catalog, you know? Like, everyone's got like, like a long flowing no, jacket. You're so. Uh, so- I cannot see it now. The, the, the I'm just I'm just like imagining I'm in a catalog now. What what I love is that the, everyone is so fashionable in this yes. game. That's incredible. Yeah. That's like yeah. the, the 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 Guilty Gear Uniqlo, you know. That's yeah. uh, <laughs> that's impossible. Like even yeah. even they they also found way for to, to renew some characters that needed it. Like Chip, for example, who was not very that didn't evolve at all uh, since for, for 20 years and now they found a way you know with the the heavy with the 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 the, the neck uh, covered with a, a kind of protection and a zipper so you can pull it down and speaks it also has the the yeah. the, the giant rope uh, on his hips i don't know what it is the, but... the the ninja president finally shops at balenciaga that is yeah. what <laughs> oh it, you know like <laughs> yeah um I, I just want to say real quick about chip um so he they gave him like a much more modern uh top with that really cool yeah. collar uh rather than that super like 90s um you know like dog collar and then uh the the rope around his waist recalls um just the heavy super thick ropes that you see tied around things at uh temples like buddhist yes. temples or like shinto temples um, and then on top of that, they gave him super baggy. Uh, uh, to- I think they're called yes. Tabi, Toby. Uh, tabi, Tabi are the shoes. Gonna, I think. I was going to ask about that. I, I noticed the um, definitely his the the slacks like the pants type. Um, is there is there a term for that? Because I, I I noticed I, I, it is a much more common stylish. It's much more stylish now, where it has the join uh, below the waist. And it usually has like buttons or loops that make it much, like it's more of a comfortable kind of lounge style of that's, pants. I think that's the 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 trousers and um, and uh, and shoes of uh, of carpenters carpenters in Japan. Yes, yes. That, yes. that tabi shoes are for carpenters, and I think they also have this kind of you know very baggy uh, trousers that are yep. slimmer on the uh, on the foot. To, uh, to avoid uh, walking on it. So they gave him this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it I was actually Andy that told me about this. Uh, gosh, I wish we could get him back. But uh, <laughs> um, they're called, okay, they're called Toby trousers. So they're the modern version of, um, you know, traditional baggy pants. And uh, carpenters and construction workers in Japan wear them. They're, they're super loose, and then they tighten around 
the uh, ankles for yeah. um, so you don't trip over them, but also it's better for circulation. And then they have toed um, uh, shoes, and they're they're basically modern ninja pants because uh, construction workers have to move around like ninjas, right? They 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 got to climb all over the place. They have like specialized equipment. Um, it's it's a really good match for for Chip. Uh, now, now that you mention it, like all of his all of his clothing has become more agile and flexible like he has yeah. he, he no longer has flared sleeves he has completely sleeveless he has the pants yeah. we're talking about he moved to like more uh flexible sandals rather than like fully covering foot clothing like he just feels like um it even looks like he's more comfortable you know like, yeah. like he's more yeah. agile right yeah yeah mm -hmm. J james dude i got i need you to comment on the uh, the fashion <laughs> of this game man <laughs> <laughs> so like the thing the thing about stripe is that all of these character designs literally look as if there should have been uh, a Vogue issue dedicated to <laughs> the character designs for Strive. Yeah. Uh, like a literal <laughs> just like, let's interview Daisuke Shibatari and let's talk about how we've evolved these characters. Um, and this just goes back into what I was saying before, is that like, with the changes in terms of visual information that you're absorbing in this game, the designs had to be changed. And all of the changes are simplified, but yet still interesting and intricate. And I feel like when I, when I looked at Kai, you know, the first thing I thought was, wow, that looks like a Narciso Rodriguez cut of a jacket, like from like mid late two thousands, but yet it's still modern now. Like, and then I look at, you know, soul, and it's just, like, everyone here is embodying, like, a particular brand without really intending to. Like, there's, like, a, there's a specific approach where when you look at these designs, like, it's, like, how do you have the time and the research and development to say, okay, let's look at Chip, let's make him more comfortable, and let's make it look more practical in terms of what he can do. He looks like he's comfortable enough to do the bullshit he does in this game. Yet it's still out of this world, like otherworldly uh, uh, sense of, of intrigue in the aesthetic that it pulls off. Um, you know, you look at Potemkin. I mean, Potemkin had a complete visual makeover, um, and it's it's like when I when I look at this game, it's like I could imagine an entire spread of Vogue literally being about Guilty Gear and. If that were to ever have happened, I definitely would have bought, like, six copies of that magazine because, <laughs> like, because, I mean, I'm looking at, like... Like, Axel know, is wearing tartan. Like, the, yeah. the, the Scottish uh, motif, you know. That's amazing <laughs> when you feel Yeah, it's just, it. like, it's, like, someone, like, I feel like they had to have gone through, like, dozens of, like, redesign attempts, like, before they confirmed them. And so much love and care went into what they picked and why um like like everyone is super fashionable within this world like everyone went shopping at the same time and now we have these wonderful characters that are just so fashionably like inclined and it's and what's interesting right is like you look at uh axel's design and you know we were talking about how like there's no there's no excess with, uh, you know, what's in the designs in terms of, like, you know, like, smaller, like, incremental elements. But, like, he's got mad zippers on his chest, but it is done in a way 
that is not uh, like visually like uh, repulsive or or <laughs> yeah, or yeah. you know like it's it's like you see the zippers that are on his chest. There's literally three. Yeah, but it's done in a way. <laughs> That but what you're trying to say is that it's just zippers, not anime zippers. It's not anime zippers. <laughs> that's what it is. Like it's like they're zippers, but they're not anime zippers. We're not we're not being like thrown like billions of zipper teeth like all over like the design. You're given like this very streamlined shape, like for like a sub like a secondary or tertiary focal point within his design. Um he still has like you know, he has thanks luck inscribed on his uh on his sickle, on his comma, like it's it's these little touches that are they still give that idea of like well we're giving you some information that's additional, but we're not detracting from like the basic focal point of the design, and that takes a particular type of uh, attention to be able to uh, achieve that. Um, like everybody, it, it feels like a more livable world. Like Guilty Gear feels like. Yeah, uh, a, a more livable world within like how everybody, everybody's appearance. Um, oh my God, Milia's Milia's ve- uh, clothes. Oh, yeah, these jackets. Milia <laughs> is literally fashion queen in this game. Yeah, like the, the her design is. It's like I I feel like everybody said hands everybody's hands on deck. Uh, we need to design Milia, and we need to make sure this is correct. Um. And they did, like, like it is literally like, like I'm super excited for any sort of art book that comes out for this game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because like, there's gonna be stuff in there that's like, complete TED talks about. Hey, you want to know how to art? Like, just read this book. Like, everything. Her entire outfit is fifty thousand dollars. Like, it's just like there's no way. Like, the cheapest thing she's wearing are those $800 gloves. Like, that's and it's and it's so just like, like, I am the most beautiful woman in the world. Like, her, like, just the posing that they're showing you when they're revealing this design is just like, yes, we have put all the love that we can into a design that was already really good. You know, but let's let's you know, like I said, the beer has been held. Mm-hmm. Also, like, we don't have any more money. Please buy the game. <laughs> please buy the game. Yeah. <laughs> I just noticed uh, Milia is essentially wearing like a like a license plate on her head. Yeah, since they they did that in uh, in Ixod two, and uh, they oh, continued on this trend. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, in Ixod, the the um, they gave her a hat. Uh, in yeah. Excel, I think what I'm not sure it was official, but I heard one of the reasons was that they had to hide, you know, the source of the 3D model of a, of a air, something like that. And so yeah. with the with the with the hat, it was easier this way. So I don't oh, that's know. interesting. I'm not sure if that's true, but I heard this a few times. In that's the interesting. Past. That's a that's a clever way to uh, to hide it. I mean, yeah. it, it, are you are you suggesting more that like she needed a a place for her hair to in space to live? Is, yeah, is that kind of what, okay, that something like that. Sense. Yeah, because you know yeah. when since they had to position the the three D model to always finish in a, uh, in a clean well, at the top of her head, the, it was probably like 
easier to pretend that the hair comes from the hat or something like that. And yeah. uh, you know, I'm not sure. Oh, no, no, that's, that's totally it. I, I'm, I'm watching the animations in, in slow motion, which I, I recommend everyone yeah. do this if you're listening. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, yeah, it's not conspicuous, but now that you mention it, um, her hair originates from under the hat. They, they, they don't need yeah. to figure out, like, how do we smoothly, uh, you know, make that mesh connect every single time? Because that, that would be, like, a Herculean task in 3D. Yeah. That's something that's definitely easier in 2D. But, man, it works. I don't even question it. That's that. Yeah, that's the thing about everything that it shows you. It, you don't question anything. Like everything is so confidently uh, achieved that you you just you buy the world. You buy all of it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I keep looking at the the reveal before her title card appears, and it's just like that is the embodiment of confidence in design, animation. Uh, Every decision that was made for Amelia, you can you can feel that. You can feel like the work and the care that was put into that reveal. Because like that, I mean, I'm sure she has really beautiful animations that like are are, are that I haven't seen yet. But that reveal before her name shows up, her title card shows up, is like just beautiful. Like that is like if I wasn't going to play Amelia, I'm going to play her now. <laughs> like... And there's also a thing that I think changed a little bit. You know, in each trailer, they show the the artwork of each character. And mm -hmm. in in the trailer with Milia and uh, and Zato, it's very the, the arts are amazing too. Like there yeah. there's strong outlines on the art, like Zato's hair. That's that's also you know uh, a hairdresser game actually. Just not the just not the clothes. Like everybody has amazing air in this game, yeah. and the the I mean Zato is super hot <laughs> on this artwork. Yeah. You know, he's like with the with his arms up, <laughs> and he's well, he's not looking at you, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, it's 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 kind of ridiculous. Like, like like Zato is just like I I am here and I am the best. Yeah. I am the most beautiful. He's um, Zato is the ray. Of Fist of North Star of uh, yeah yeah Guilty Gear. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. I'm I'm realizing as we're talking about this, uh, I think we kind of alluded to it earlier, but you know what? Uh, I couldn't put my finger on it at first. But what this is reminding me of is y'all ever watch like a favorite like anime show, like a long running one? Like I'm like the me. It's reminding me a lot of like Gundam or something, where it looks really good, but then you watch like an OAV, and the quality jumps up like five times very yes. noticeably, and um, and it's like very clear that they just had a much larger budget, right? So they're, they're like, uh, this this happened a lot with me with like Gurren and Lagan. Like you could tell when yeah. they had budget, when they didn't. Yeah. And and I'm actually realizing when I'm looking at the the art where it's showing them to the one you're talking about with uh, Zato and Milia, and I'm looking at like the intros and stuff, and I'm like, oh, that's why Exerd feels like the normal daytime show version, and this feels like the the OAV version. Mm -hmm. It feels like yeah. they just had all the budget. To actually ramp up the quality, it's yeah. like, like Zato's muscles cost so much money. <laughs> like, like his muscles are expensive. I don't think I've ever called anybody's body expensive, but like Zato is expensive. Like, it's just, oh my god! Like, I'm, I'm watching uh, his reveal, and it's just like this. This man, 
is he's so much money. Like there's 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 key there. I'm calling them keys because it just they, they just look like you know. But like there's there's times where I look at like the close-ups on his face and I'm like, dude, you literally are cell shaded. Like you were cell shaded in 1989, and I'm so yeah. here for that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so here for that. Like there's there's highlight tips on like each of the straps. There's like tertiary like shading on his neck and his hair like he literally is a 3d model that looks like they were drawn in 1989 or 1991 mm-hmm. yeah that's well, super yeah, interesting to, to, to the young folks who weren't born <laughs> back then um I, I think yeah that ova uh, is maybe an even better uh comparison than just feature film because uh uh, that that was you know uh, late '80s to mid '90s. That was probably the peak of like detail uh, per frame in uh, Japanese animation. And so like even uh, modern stuff is a bit more streamlined compared to animation of that era. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and it's it's like you just see it like like Zato was just like a check got signed that day, <laughs> yeah. like. And you can really see it in the quality of uh, of his model. I mean, it's not to say that he like makes everybody else look bad. It's just when Zato debuted and Melia debuted, there was a a distinct sort of extra care. You know, there's some favorites. There are some favorites in this in the in the studio. Yeah, Zato is the favorite character of uh, Ishiwatari. So oh, really? that ex- yeah 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 that that was his. Uh, I just remember, but in a in um, an interview, he said that Zato was his favorite character. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. That explains oh, yeah. why Zato always had like new stuff, like in uh, Accent Core, for example. He has a whole new set of moves, because why not? You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's became... true. Yeah, he always had something new. Yeah, and he turned uh, Accent Core into a Kusoge, and uh, probably James would have loved to play this character in this episode. In this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like I like to have fun, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we know. I like to have fun, you know. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But the game, uh, beautiful. beautiful. Speaking of Zato, I was just looking at the animations of uh, Eddie. Um, there's such a contrast, right? Because mm-hmm. Zato is this like he looks like he's carved out of marble and 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 then drawn frame by frame in the late '80s, and then. Um, uh, uh, the the demon, his demon companion, is like uh, so you know like goopy and intentionally uh, sketchy looking. Like he's not meant to look. Uh, he, he's very consciously meant to look like a flat drawing come to life. You know, like a scribble. And it's just amazing how well they captured that. Um, a lot of people hated it when they saw it. What? I had a, yeah, yeah. I, I had a lot of friends seeing the trailer and like, wow, that toy is excellent. And they see Heavy, which is the the the, the minion, yeah, the shadow, and they they are like, what the hell happened? Like before, <laughs> because but that that's logical because in the story of Guilty Gear, uh, Zato is supposed to be dead at this yeah. time or something like that, and uh, and we've seen in previous episodes the the, the the shadow had really really defined shapes like uh, yeah it had uh, like a, a lot of a lot of times it was a shark inspired yeah. shape yeah, yeah. and um, and uh, in I think it was in accent call that they uh, decided that he was turning into uh, like you said a, a kind of Non, I don't know a globe or something like that and they they they, they came back to this 
again, but this time it's even further than uh, than before. So that's uh, that's very very surprising, to be honest. I, do you know how hard it is to do whatever they're doing in 3D? <laughs> Absolutely like, not. Yeah. So much like a, it, it feels like a like a Shinya Ohira uh, yeah animation. Oh, where, yeah, it does. You know what I mean? Mm. Shinya Ohira is this great animator who started off as a FX animator. He's just one of the best, and then he became a character animator. And he but he treats people like effects. Like he, you know, he doesn't draw like you know, uh, circles and cubes for an underdrawing. Like, he, he treats everything like it's, like, water and wind yeah. and, and fire. And it, it's, yeah. It's you, like you they are, uh, like, they're an entity. They're not, like, they're not cemented in, like, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, it's, like, they're not cemented in humanity, but they represent, they vis- visually present as human. And yeah. then, like, they're, they're, they are an effect. Like, yeah. and... It reminds me a lot of the uh, the movement that they achieved in Spirited Away. Yeah, uh, yeah a lot of yeah. the spirits, yeah. A little bit, yeah. But the yeah. the the thing that is that's interesting what you said, like it treated humans like a special effect because that's something that I feel is very very present in this game. Actually, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, of elements mm-hmm. are treated like like they were special effects. Instead of being humans, I think that that's very that's very very fun to see. And the stages. Do you have an oh example? God. Well, right, go ahead. just I don't know. It just that just, just like you said, there's these differences in uh, frame rate between characters and, for example, lightning uh, on uh, on Kai's hand, for example, when he grabs his sword in the first trailer. And uh, I feel that this difference. Is uh, applied to a lot of things, like like we said on hair, for example, and it helps having something way more alive than it was before. I don't know. I don't know. That's just a feeling I have. But, yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah. And uh, have you seen all the stages? Because I played the beta, and there's one stage in this game. I've I. I so the stage while playing and I thought oh my god that's the stage for Richmond <laughs> oh okay I, I have not played the beta um, okay. I, I did watch uh, James uh, uh, stream the game a bit while the beta was going um, but which there, which stage the, the stage where they are on a kind of plane and there's a, there are clouds you know there are upside clouds and suddenly there are uh, Buddhist statues with rockets coming out of the i don't remember this stage (laughs) and i saw that and i was like wow that's incredible the game is so beautiful and this stage like really sold me on the on the aesthetics that they are they are trying to achieve this well there sorry maybe i can find you the the trailer again oh my god yeah um all right, let's, let's, in the meantime, let's talk about the characters just a little bit more. Um, yeah. Faust. Ah, I was, oh. 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 I was sure you were going Good. to talk about it. Evil Seishiro. <laughs> yeah. Evil Satsui no Haro Seishiro from X is Faust. I respect them so much for going so far with this, this design, because, uh, I mean, 
Uh, where, where to even start? Like he, uh, they really, uh, first of all, visually, um, they really s- simplified him, right? Like before he had like a pretty elaborate suit. Now, now he's just like, he's mostly blue, you know, he's in, in, in his scrubs. So as far as um, just visual information goes, like he, he's not as broken up as before. You know what I mean? Like not no mm-hmm. alternating colors. He's this big, expansive uh, color blue. Uh, uh, but but then he's also like he's lit differently than everyone else. He's got he's a Takeshi very... Koike yes! character. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Guilty Gear. Yeah, yes, and dude. like the fact that you can even do that is like just absurd. Like it's disgusting. Like like it, like the game was already beautiful enough as it is, and then Faust <laughs> shows up, and it's like oh hey. By the way, we literally can do anything now. Just to let you know, we can do anything. If we wanted to make a Ninja Scroll fighting game, we could do oh. it. If we oh want to do a, a, a red line game, we could yep. do it. There's nothing that we can't do. That's what I thought when I saw Faust. I was like, wow, he's shaded like a Takeshi Koike drawing, um, and he's moving. Uh, and, 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 and I think there's so much that went into that because it's not just visually appealing, but I think when you think about the type of uh, character gameplay-wise that Faust is, right? Like, on a, like a pseudo-competitive level, it's a lot to take in. And it's a lot to visually memorize and understand. And I think by simplifying his design, um, it, it allows the player to have like a stronger focal point to kind of understand like his normals, the distance of them, the animations of them, how they look. Like, I feel like he's an easily digestible character in terms of the visual sense while still being intricate and still being, um, like, full of splendor, like, for your eyes. Because, like, Jesus, like... Like, even his animations, like, when he's, like, waving his finger, like, at the screen... Like, I feel like everything about him was an experiment in terms of, like creating his model because he's got a particular type of snap to him that reminds me of it's like a medley of dead leaves like imaishi like timing but look he looks like a koike drawing yeah like that's something it's like i didn't think i would ever combine those things about a fighting game of all things (laughs) you know like like i never thought i would see the day that like Oh yeah, I saw a character in a fighting game that reminded me of Hiroyuki Maishi and Koike at the same time, and it's 3D. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... that doesn't make sense. They are, they are very upsetting. <laughs> they are very. Ta- they are so talented. It's it's very upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, it's this looks like something that shouldn't be possible. It, like it, it looks like the, like Faust is something that you would think they could do in 2023 not 2020 like it's just oh man like i'm looking at his debut trailer right now and i'm just like man like like i need behind the scenes for every character in this game because i feel like all of the characters have there's like a unified approach to how they're done but i also think that there's very specific things that were also like implemented for each character in terms of approach like Someone said, like, Melia, like, we were talking, like, Melia and Zato obviously got, like, the best treatment, if you want to call it that. But I feel like there's, like, particular things that they decided in terms of approach. And I would love that, like, 
there's a behind the scenes where they're like, well, this is the approach that we did for Soul. This is the approach we did for because I feel like there's a lot of information that's valuable there. This might be the game where I I I, I main <laughs> main Faust because uh, I I I like his animation so much in this. Um, I, I usually just go for whatever characters like uh, uh, their their movement really appeals to me. Like, my goodness, like. The love put into his movements is just crazy. Like they're all great, but he's really—he's as goopy as Eddie, you know. Yeah. Like he—he's got so much weight to him, and oh my goodness! Like seriously, watch. Go go to YouTube. Watch this stuff in like, uh, you know, twenty-five percent playback speed. It's it's absurdly nice looking. It's oh my goodness. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a treat to do. It, it shows you just how much work uh they they put into this game and it's 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 overwhelmingly absurd how much they put into this game and i man it's great um you know we we could go on and on about each of the characters in this game because they all have just they're just they're just beautiful like the game is not is not even out and it's we have the full cast of character for the moment, so that's yeah. very very impressive. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like I said, I'm not even going to talk about ramen ball. I'm not even going to like, oh, just uh. like, and that's that's a character that's difficult to play. But like when I saw the trailer, I was like, nah, it's worth it. It's <laughs> like nah, this is this is this is worth my time and effort to actually like pick this character up and learn. Um, yeah. But yeah, like this game is, it's it's un, unreasonably beautiful for no reason at all. Like like Arxis didn't have to go this hard, but they did. Yeah, you know, like they didn't have to go this hard. They really didn't. But I'm glad they did. I'm so glad they did. I, you know, Ramathal. Okay, let's let let's talk about her. <laughs> <laughs> we got all right, okay. all right, all okay. right. So, 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 visually is is one of my favorite characters in Guilty Gear. Um, yeah. Like, from the moment that she showed up in Guilty Gear, I was just like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this character is way too cool. Like already, I was just like, like, what are you? I don't care what you do. You just look cool as shit. And and I'm here for it. And I'm kind of upset because that's something that I would design for part time shuffle in a way. But like you know, Arxis beat me to it, so it's, it is what it is. I I gotta hold that L. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but like, it's like when I look at this character, I'm just like, this character was made to basically play around with an Unreal Engine in terms of visual like presence, like, and they pushed it so far in stride, like, because she's obviously older. So her design changed a little bit, but it, again, it's the subtle changes that they made that still make her design appealing without being like super like pandering. Like it does a little bit because you do see her legs a bit, but I think the fact that she's covered in a way it it's like it's not as obvious, um, and just like her overall presence, her gesture, her movements, the shapes that she makes overall with her secondary like components like she's just a beautiful character to watch uh i i'm i'm a kai main in strive because i mean it's beta you know so it's like of course i'm gonna play the ryu of the game or the ken of the game but uh when i look at like ramlethal like 
that's a character that I'm going to be in the lab with to be annoying with. Yeah. Like, that's the character that both looks cool and I know will be annoying as shit. Like, that's... <laughs> like, when I... Like, like when that's I look your at definition, her, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that's... Like, this is the character for me. Um, she also has the 1991-1989 treatment. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's like, true. Like, like, she has... Like, when I look at this, it only makes me want to, for my own project, push my own... Because I even said it, like, I posted about the fact that I'm changing how I'm drawing the manga, is that, like, I'm tapping into my own inner arxis with what I'm trying to do. <laughs> because, like, everything here... Like... I give you an example, right? Like when when you're into anime, when you first get into anime, like everything's perfect to you. Like you're just like, holy shit, like this is you've never seen anything like it before. But the more you start watching anime, you start picking up animation techniques, you start knowing, oh, okay, this part of this background is like not painted. This is like cell shaded. So this is probably gonna interact with the character. Like you start to pick up mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. But when you look at when I look at Ramlethal, when I look at Amelia, when I look at like you know, outside of the hair thing, because that's an obvious like thing, but um, you look at uh, Zato, like, they're just done so well that it's like, you just believe that these people exist. Like, you believe everything that you see to a point where you're just like, this is perfection. Yeah. Like, even to the fact that the bottom of her uh, her sword actually has, like, damage on it, her damage looks pretty. Like, what the fuck? Like, how do you... Like, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, it, you shouldn't be able to have this type of... Uh, uh, prowess like this looks like someone took a 3d pencil and created her like it's that's what it looks like to me it doesn't look like uh like her her character art, it does not look like it's cell shaded even her model doesn't look like it just looks like someone drew her um and she's great she has two big ass swords she's she's got like she looks like she's dressing like either Captain Harlock or the commander, the SDF-1 from Robotech, but like with a little yeah. JoJo pizzazz to her. Like, there's like, there's such a specific uniqueness to her design that like, I will never get tired of. Um, like Something it, that impressed me was um, she somehow feels even more like a, like a Mecha Masume, like Kantai collection boat yeah. girl. Yeah, but because, it, because, because yeah. the cap because she has like a, a military or marine uh, yeah, cap yeah. now instead of the rabbit. Um, she had a rabbit uh, aesthetic uh, hat yeah. before. So. Yeah. Um, but somehow it doesn't feel super pandering. <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. awesome. It just works. Yeah. Like even if you don't get the reference, you're like, oh, it's like a cool, weird character. Like and I then, feel um, like she could influence people to create i could see somebody cosplaying as her and oh, then yeah. being like you know what this might actually be my aesthetic irl to some degree like yeah. like with the hat and shit like i could see somebody being like nah this shit's clean i like this you know like i'm gonna yeah. do this in real life but ramnetal already had a kind of specific aesthetic to her because she had like the um, the swords obviously i think the swords are probably the the least interesting thing about her but the 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 fact that her coat is actually skin with teeth at the end and that she she when in excerpt when she came out of the quote there was like saliva uh, coming out so that's again one of the Ishiwatari rules like oh a coat a mouse 
Yeah, <laughs> of course, I'm gonna put something inside. <laughs> what? And there are subtle differences, like for example, the the teeth uh, on the on the jacket now are dark, and um, and the the swords are also are dark, and there are more um, green reminders on her. Uh, like for example, on a hat, or she also now wears a, a jacket uh, under, well, a top under a jacket, and uh, the top makes her like way more cool than before because before she was really pondering with just you know a strap on her breast and a, a strap uh, on her hip, something like that. So she's really, really way better today. And uh, like you said, that when you look at her artwork. You know the black, the white, the the kind of military vibe there's to it. I could see that in a fashion show, you know, in a Karl Lagerfeld show or something like that. <laughs> that will be completely possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And her her uh, cloak is semi sentient, right? Like it's also one of those things that you see in Guilty Gear where um, there's a portion of the character that isn't necessarily in control by the character so it moves really organically but uh, i have to agree the 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 changes in the way that her uh like undercoat and the the overall cloak design changes like the the older one looked a lot more like a mouth and now it looks a lot more like it has a combination of technology and organics <laughs> in the teeth yeah yeah i also appreciate appreciate the asymmetry in her design now um i think previously uh the hat felt felt very symmetrical. Her legs looked the same, and now she has like kind of a wrap on one of her legs. Uh, the the hat doesn't have such clear like pointed things on it, so um, she actually kind of feels more unique just because of the fact that it isn't it isn't too balanced. There's also something interesting is that it's the least clothed character uh, of the game. <laughs> right now and uh and she moves um she's she's a very uh, energetic like physical character because she she eats uh, almost exclusively with the coat or her legs so she takes a lot of poses and she eats without with a lot of kick poses and things like that and since she's uh she's not wearing trousers or, or other clothes we can see how much how good they've become uh at animating and keep posing you know muscular character and uh, and things like that yeah. because the the others you can say well that's you know heady he's like liquid and very muscular but here she is muscular but when you see the poses she takes while fighting she's really moving part part of her is moving like a cat and part of her is moving like really uh, almost like a, a kickboxing character so that's yeah. really, really cool to see. And um, even if they took back some of her animations from the previous game, it's still way better than before. So it's really, really impressive. Yeah, I, I think if you want to see the jump in animation, um, she's a really good character to look at between the two. Because she, she was one of the best-looking characters in Xerd, I think. Um, mm. and, and, you know, she was one of the later characters. You'll notice most of the Xerd characters do not have baggy clothing because I think they, they had not figured out how to animate clothing well, uh, cel-shaded clothing in 3D then. Um, and, and clothing animation was never a strong suit for uh, Arc System Works before this mm -hmm. anyways. But yeah. 
oh my god now they're like the best in the world at it for for 3d animation like uh yeah that that cloak is a you know, work of art it, so i wanted so, to yeah I wanted to mention like another pretty like absolutely unnecessary detail that they really execute. Just to kind of we were talking about some of the stuff that Guilty Gear did not need to do, but they did. So I forget what they're called, but part of her character has like her swords are actually carried by entities. Like they don't just float. Yeah. And if you look, I, I forget. There's a name for them uh, in the Guilty Gear series. But if you look closely, the, there's like these two entities that are literally carrying the swords, and they have little wings. Yeah, that animate, and the, yeah. the way that they actually move and carry them, you notice as the swords animate, you can actually tell that it looks like they are actually placing the weight and the movement into them. Um, and now with the updated design, where the uh, the teeth on her cloak also have like eyes to a degree, they feel related. It feels like it's oh. it's a similar type of entity. And I don't know if that's lore correct, but it definitely felt more cohesive to me because I was, was watching the animation. I was like, oh, uh, the entities that are carrying her swords and her cloak, her cloak previously just kind of felt like a mouth. And now they all feel kind of like a very similar type of entity um, in the way that they move together. Yeah. Yeah, it's more cohesive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, something I noticed while while watching in slow motion. Um, Again, Vex <laughs> uh, animation is a very uh, trigger Amaishi esque with the uh, that famous uh, uh, stubby cross pattern and um, just sort of the uh, Canada style like staccato effects. It's yes, so cool. <laughs> it, it's it's like they're not all just like this house style effects like now even even their projectiles and like sparks have like their own individual character to them mm -hmm. yeah another thing they could they, they were not obligated to do but they did it anyway <laughs> they are very upsetting people <laughs> yes yes in the best way possible yeah but yeah. that's that shows we are in like we we are recording like in june 2020 and they announced the game in summer 2018 so it's already been two years and actually it shows that they are taking that, that it takes time to do things so well and uh we can see it uh, right now. Uh, I, I would say on that, even if you look at the initial trailer and some of the latest ones they've not they've they've been showing, the uh, even like the the crispness and the visual quality of the game has noticeably improved. Yep. Um, and it, it reminds me a lot of like when they originally announced Final Fantasy VII remake and like what it, how good it looked, and then what it actually looked like when they shipped it. Uh, it's actually the same thing. Like I haven't obviously I I wasn't in the beta, so I haven't played it, but. I have noticed over the years that the it's hard to put your finger on what it means, but the if you look at like Ramenthal's trailer, which is much more new, the the quality of the lines and like her intro and how crisp it is. Uh, like I was watching a, a video and I was like, wow, this looks like it's 4K, but it was not. It was just a regular like 720p or something. Like the the level of quality um, just overall in the game and how how it cohesively fits together. The um, I also noticed in the original trailer versus newer ones where you could still see sort of some of the crisp lines. Like, you could see the um, the engine still rendering. Like, it would have anti-aliasing behind some of the character lines as they moved or as the camera rotated. And now they're super smooth. The lighting is very soft. Like, you can't see it at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th this game is uh, so nice uh, that I... Yeah, I've, I, we, we, we've all 
I've been working in games for a while now, and it's so good looking. I just forget I'm looking at a 3D thing. You know, I don't. I've I've stopped even trying to to comprehend how they did it. I'm just like, damn, that's nice. I have no idea how they they did that hair. I have no clue. Like, I I don't know how they they get such fidelity out of every single frame. Like, I I, I have some understanding of Xrd, but like this latest one's on another level. Yeah. Right. Okay, so we, we've covered the visuals, uh, done a deep dive. Um, shall we get into the gameplay? This is going to fail, and we are going to be <laughs> a bit opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, gonna... uh, I mean, this... I, think, I think that, like, I mean, if we're talking about visuals and we want to get that out of the way... We, okay, we sure. might as well address the elephant in the room. I, I think we should talk about the UI. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. We, we, we've done the heaven part. Let's do the hell part. Okay? Yeah, because <laughs> there's a lot of points of contention regarding the... So, yeah. ju just the, to, be, the... to be clear, the, the UI will change because they, they addressed it in a, in, a, in a blog post saying, okay, we understood, we're trying to do something new. It didn't work that well. We're going to, to, to work on it again. So everything we say well, here may be irrelevant, irrelevant well, let's when let's the game comes out. Let's also separate. There was like the UI in terms of like how the lobby system works. Yeah, yeah. There's UI and how they actually translated the new visual Chrome in the game, right? Not mm -hmm. um, uh, that that people didn't have very, very strong opinions about both of them. But I wanted to mention that at least when I was... Uh, looking at a lot of the feedback and watching a lot of videos, there was a very distinct difference between when people were talking about um, the interface in terms of getting into matches and how that was changed versus what they changed as the overall aesthetic of the UI. Yeah, because it, there's, there's like separate uh, factions, I guess, of what is the collective UI for Guilty Gear. So, you know, I guess we should start with what, what you first see and interact with uh on a consistent basis and uh, you know that is the lobby um, oh my god oh my god <laughs> i it's what it's, happened it's, it's one of those things where yeah it's like what happened here that this was the confirmed aesthetic for the beta and i and i stress this you know as much as i possibly can you know all of us here are very aware of what a beta is, what it represents, and the fact that things can change. Like we 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 all understand that. But however, when you're you're talking about functionality and you're talking about just having things work properly, um, that are easily readable and understandable, that makes sense within the IP itself. Uh, a lot of things were uh, just they became areas of room for improvement. I mean, and that's probably the nicest way I think anybody can honestly say it. Um, you know, it's trash. You, it's trash. Yeah, like that's, it's, that's it's, horrible. It's... That's okay. Let's let stop. To, stop walking <laughs> around the subject. That's trash. That's garbage. That's it shit. was really bad. That's like also really, really for people bad. not knowing. And the the, the the worst thing is that guilty gear lobby, Arc System Works lobby are known to be cool things you know because in the previous games you had your chibi avatar you were you were walking inside rooms the lobby the lobby was an actual 3d like room a, 
And yeah. with arcade cabinet, you would sit on the arcade cabinet. It was a cabinet. game center. It was great. Yeah, it was a game center. Uh, uh, you could also fish for some reason inside. Yeah. <laughs> and and so you're like, okay, so they're going to do the same thing, and that's okay. But no, they decided that you you wanted to play Super Mario with the badly designed 2D sprites. Like, oh, how come this? How can this company like produce such ugly 2D sprites? After doing Blaze Blue, Guilty Gear, and it, all it these other games, like a mobile Tinder game. I, I have a I have a real tin hat theory here. I, I have to put it out there. So, um, I actually what what I think this started this off. This is my guess. The is April that, Fools prank. No, 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 no. It's not. It's oh, okay. it's much more. It's it's. I'm giving them way more credit in my theory. So. What what I actually think happened was that the the style that the current lobby system is as a departure from the previous one is uh, based on when the games were made. Um, indie titles with this kind of lower level pixel aesthetic are very popular right now, um, especially in independent titles. And for a lot of game developers, especially ones that don't have a lot of money or technical skill, it works really well for them. Yeah. Um, uh, Games like uh, Children of Morta, for instance, pull off the style with a lot of class and skill and style, right? Like, so it's, but I, I think someone who was working on this, I don't know who, looked at the, 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 the theoretical, what they had previously done. Oh, we have this, uh, to, to Thomas' point, we have this quirky system. We can get away with a lot. What's popular now is this lower, like this, to your point, like this kind of lower level pixel style that isn't very complicated. I don't know what... And, and uh, there's a lot of games that um, do this kind of 2D flat plane thing, and I don't know where it came from. I don't know what possessed them to think it was a good idea in their game. But I do have a Tin Hat theory that I think there was a lot of influence from the popular indie titles that are doing a similar style, that are relying a lot more on a 2D style interface. Uh, most of the games that rely on that is because of the technical skill or the budget of their studios. And I think it was the, this kind of thing where, you know, when someone sets off to copy someone but looks at all of the wrong reasons why it's successful? Yeah. I think that's what happens with the UI designer here is they, they, they saw the similarities to the previous version that had worked for Guilty Gear, and they looked at what was popular in the, in the market, and they basically took the worst of both of them and put them together, <laughs> thinking that they were creating something that was going to be relevant for the current audience. Um, I think there's there's also you talked about budget and there's something I suppose that it's important for them is that when you when you look at how they you know take their tech, their lobby tech, their graphic tech, everything, and they sell it to other well they don't sell it but they make games for other companies with it, and when you look at the lobbies you have to make three D models. For all characters in uh, chibi style, you have to, um, you know, you have to create an entire model and things like that, to an entire stage and an arcade room for for all players to travel inside. And maybe that costs money. Maybe that's something they they, they had bad feedback uh, money wise from their clients. And maybe the the, the the way they are the the the, the past they, they, they are going they are taking is to reduce the cost of all the lobby system to be able to sell it more easily later to mm. other companies. I think there's that because we, we haven't seen it yet. 
but they said that we will have more customization of our 2D avatar in-game. And I suppose that it's way less expensive, for example, to recreate, I don't know, uh, Ramletal's hat uh, in 2D with three badly placed pixels and say, hi, I wear a Ramletal hat in 2D on my avatar, for example, <laughs> than going full 3D with, for example, if you have 20 characters, you only have 20 chibi models. But if you go with a lot, a lot, a lot of customization, even if it's a bad 2D sprite, well, it's still customization and it still unlocks and things you can monetize and things like that. So maybe, you know, there's a, there's a cost issue uh, right there because they are also going to add um, rollback netcode to this game. So it means yeah. it's going to take them more time and more money and maybe they, they went this way saying, okay, we, we have to make a choice both for our clients and for her, for us, for ourselves. And uh, I think there's something like that inside this. I, I cannot... One more. Uh, go ahead. We can I, was, I was just going to say, I, I cannot fathom why you would spend so much time on making the game look the way that it does and then do this kind of lobby system. It makes me think of like... Creating a creating like a Ferrari and then selling it out of a dirty shack. I just don't understand yeah. why you would the, why the you dissonance. Would do... okay, wait, wait, wait. Hear, hear, hear me out. Hear me out. I, I think there's another layer on top of this. Um, they just released a few months ago a game called Code Shifter. Uh, are you familiar with that? Has, has anyone played no. that? No. Switch uh, and Steam. Uh, Code Shifter is a pixel-based game. It's it's like what Sean was describing, like a intentionally lo-fi uh, pixel game, and it it has a bunch of licensed characters from like you know like the Kunio Kun games, and then also their own internally developed games like Guilty Gear, Blaze Blue, uh, mm. a lo-fi pixel style. And then for some weird reason, on top of that, even though the game itself is like NES-style pixel art. Uh, the story scenes look like an American mobile game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't know, but somehow <laughs> I feel whatever thought went into Code Shifter, uh, uh, which was developed uh, by another company, anyways, called Atlanto. Maybe some of that thought, or maybe even that team developed uh, this this lobby system because it's is aesthetically like kind of similar to that. Mm. Y'all, y'all, art direction matters. Yeah. You ever wonder what art directors do? <laughs> what creative directors do? If you wonder, like, well, they're not actually doing any of the work. What are they doing? This, this is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> when you have different art directors. Yeah, <laughs> that's the biggest issue of it is like it. You can't tell this is guilty here. Like, if yeah, you showed that's me the main No clue. I'd be like, what is this? Because <laughs> people like when I was streaming it. Uh, People were asking, like, is this Guilty Gear? Dude, that confused like, the hell out of me. Yeah. Yeah, like, it, it, it definitely is one of those things where it's like, yeah, this just doesn't fit with the brand of what you're doing. Yeah. Like, it just, it just doesn't. Um, on top of the fact that it was a functional mess. Yeah. Uh, you know, because that, that, to me, it's like, I don't have to like the visual aesthetic of a lobby, but if it, if it actually works... Okay, I mean that's I can deal with that, but like then you talk about the fact of how the lobby functioned. That is like just it's a mess. Didn't the beta also have like netcode running that they're not planning to actually run in the final yeah. game? Yep. Yep. 
that yep. that says that says a lot about them, you know, the sneaky bastards, because <laughs> because they were like, yeah, we are we are studying the possibility of putting a rollback netcode inside the game, and when the beta drops, it's garbage delay netcode garbage. like they do in all their games, and yeah. we're like, okay, if if you're American branch and everyone in the world was not putting you to shame, you would have shipped this shitty netcode. <laughs> That's true, though. Like it, it. If if not for the raw feedback that you know a lot of us gave, uh, we would be playing Strive on some unplayable netcode, which would have killed the game. Yeah, it would have. It would have just killed it. Um, well, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves because that's the first time they're going to do rollback netcode, and they. W- they are perfectly able to do a Street Fighter V mess, you know. Oh, we no. don't like. I hope we don't, not. We don't. Super- we don't need like Zangief triangle jumping like Magneto. In, <laughs> like <laughs> supposedly, it's going to be fine because one of the guys who worked worked on uh, Killer Instinct is now working at Arc System Works. So, oh wow, it's it's going to be fine. Maybe I hope. Probably. <laughs> But yeah. well, that's the that's the whole story. But the, and the, but I don't know if you noticed, but the, um, James in the game, the you know you have a, a menu to go to the to the online, the like the main menu of the game, and it's it smelled like mobile game menu too. <laughs> that was yeah. Like it was it was uh, it looked like. Uh, sorry about this, but since I'm a web developer, you know, I, I see a lot of interfaces, interfaces, and this thing reminded me of a website or a native mobile, you know, uh, application, something like that. And there's a lot of this in the world game with transparencies and frost effects and uh, crude colors and things like that. So it's ah ah. Yeah, it was it was it was a mess. It's like, not honestly, and uh, it's not even rock and roll. You see what I mean? You, yeah. you look at the, the the aesthetics of the menus and things, like that, and you're like, "Wow, that's that's not metal. That's not rock. That's yeah. plain. That's, that's plain." Yeah, that's that's a, a tender tender battle game. Like I don't know <laughs> what the, the to, it's like because I was just like, I mean. Are we gonna go out after this? Like, what's like? Because it just doesn't fit the aesthetic of, of Guilty Gear. Guilty um, You know, it just it it was really jarring, mm-hmm. on top of just not being functional. Yeah. And and these are I mean, things to, that you don't want. To to be to be very fair, uh, not not like because they deserve this, but more like it wasn't like it was a huge departure from the last approach to the lobby system, which also doesn't look like Guilty Gear either. Uh, I w- I'm not defending it, because I also thought it was a weird choice for uh, Exert as well, but uh, it's it's not like um, this was a massive deviation for <laughs> for uh, for Guilty Gear. It, it, I mean, it was still huge. I, uh, I gotta say, I kind of want to play Tinder Battle uh, Arena now. <laughs> sounds pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, man. And the, la- the last terrible thing is the um, is the UI, like in-game UI, and there there's so much. I have so many things to say about yeah. this. So many yeah. things. Like, there's yeah. no things works in this UI. It's 
it's terrible <laughs> and and not just in a functional way you know like the the the, the fonts they used is like a photoshop font i used 10 years ago because it's it was like similar to impact but a bit less impactful to make the logo of my website that's the font <laughs> they, they are using for the hard hard, uh, hard luck impact I'm not I'm not sure which one and I don't have Photoshop anymore so I can't say but you know it's this kind of impact uh, of a sim pseudo impact font that every youtuber uses for their thumbnails and things like that and oh my god oh the fonts in this game I'm sorry I'm sorry because that just fonts but how can you make games so beautiful and not being able to buy a beautiful <laughs> font on the internet and and just rely on what you on the 10 first choices in photoshop like what's going on what's going on? what what's probably going to be more upsetting thomas is i would bet you anything that they spent a lot of money on the fonts that are in this game <laughs> Sean's uh, input here. Uh, Sean is a very, very decorated uh, graphic designer, web developer, UI designer. Let's let's hear it, Sean. Um, I have a very uh, mixed opinion because I like some of the things they tried to do, but I don't think any of them worked. Yeah, that's uh, that makes sense. Yeah, so that, that makes sense. That's like that's like when you're trying to get inspiration to make a design like a UE design and you take inspiration from real life i don't know for example objects and and you kind of cross the line by importing something inside the game that is not working for example when i redesigned my website which is about fighting games i sent a lot of pictures about games but also about arcade cabinets and i sent it to the designer saying i like this i like the green i like the pink i like the the black lines that run at the on the side you know of the um, of the arcade cabinet i like the panel things like that and he told me okay that's cool but you can't import an arcade cabinet you can put an you can't put an arcade cabinet on a website because you're just putting an object inside a website, you know? And so it took some parts and to, to, to make, you know, the connection, but it's really subtle, subtle, sorry. And in Exod case, it feels like they're, they're like, okay, we, we like, I don't know, uh, big, big uh, punk aesthetics, for example. So we are going to put like big um, grunge, fonts with in in uh i don't i don't even know if photoshop can go it's in 2000 pixel size font like they did it in probably this can't <laughs> and that's it the can. way i feel i feel i don't know for you sean but i feel that i see what they want to do but it doesn't work you know um what i'll what i think it is um so i think they were i, I will say i will separate that i don't hate <clears throat> I don't hate the in-scene fonts as much as I hate the the actual uh, Chrome UI. So like the <laughs> the, sl the slash, the let's rock, yeah. um, those make sense to me. I, I can see how they like. Here's what I what I'm what, why I'm kind of mixed on it is I I actually think that what they were trying to do was minimize the UI so that the focus would be on the visuals, so that it would feel more like an anime because their previous approach to Chrome has been. <clears throat> very very um visual very schemorphic very metal 
and I would also say that a lot of the fonts they they used were not meant to be read. And I think that whoever was looking at it, so having like all caps, like like condensed bold typefaces like they have, like I don't know what they were thinking because like that's the exact way to make a font that isn't readable. Uh, because like things that are all caps or thick or condensed are generally not easy to read. Um, but I do think that what they were trying to do, and my guess would be that it, I almost wonder if it was experimental. Like they were like, hey, what if we do uh, the exact opposite of what we've been doing? Like really let the, the game show through. Uh, but they, they do a lot of things that, uh, my, my guess would be that the UI designer um, studied a lot of the understanding of like peripheral vision where they use a lot of movement and color and they thought that would be enough, uh, but without having the context of it being on top of something that is high movement and high color. So as a result, the the like the the changing color bar with only a gradation, the little like notch on the tension bar that allows you like nothing reads easily because it requires you to look at a small element, like the burst gauge moving across the screen. Across the yeah yeah yeah. The, yeah, and it, and it uses like. Uh, and and uh, so what you'll notice in a lot of games, the old Guilty Gears included, um, what they often do is they, they put a contrast layer behind the typeface. So yeah. it's usually like an outline or a drop shadow. Um, so that it like, and they basically for whatever reason, and I feel like someone thought it was going to be like more sleek, but basically none of the fonts have a contrast layer with the exception of the timer. So as a result, there's most of the game, it's unreadable because it requires it to be a background. Like, and all the typefaces tend to also use an opacity layer as well. So you can't read burst, you can't read their name, you can't read tension unless the gauges are completely full. So it feels like someone designed this UI not to move. Like, I don't think an interactive designer designed this. I think a graphic designer did it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where I think it probably looked pretty good like, oh, this is clean, it's crisp, it lets you focus on the action. But as soon as it's moving, and as soon as you have to pay attention to it, and as soon as the color doesn't line up exactly with where the type works, the, the typeface choices don't work at all. And I think that's why I, I conjecture that they spent a lot of money on the typefaces, because I look at them, and they are more thoughtful than impact, right? They're, um, well, I don't know about tension. Yeah, Even yeah. the kerning the kerning on the tension one is awful. But um, the, the burst and the name ones... Uh, I think they, I think that they thought they were being stylish. Um, I, I think they thought they were copying the James Stanley style of uh, of graphic <laughs> typeface that you would see in an artful magazine, but uh, they didn't, they they didn't translate that you can't apply that same graphical style to a moving interface, mm -hmm. and as a result, it just looks it just, like I, I would bet that they spent thousands of dollars on like a uh, an, or like an art house type foundry to do this or something. Um, mm. And like it, it reminds me a lot of the decision to use like the papyrus baseline for Avatar. There were a lot of like <laughs> there were a lot of academically good reasons to do it. There were, yeah. but and they spent a lot of money to do it, but it didn't actually net out. Like it, it's one of those things where sometimes you have to use your taste instead of what you think you're going to do, and I, that's what I think happened here. So I also part of me also wonders that there's also this is a, 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 tin, a tin hat theory. I also wonder if they put the beta out and this was like the placeholder and someone was like, let's see what happens if we just like maybe they didn't have the time to do all of the metal skeuomorphic backgrounds and to do all of the, like the nice stuff they had and exert into because that's a lot of really uh, deep UI art. And I could also see with 
um, the fact that the 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 UI, not the UI, sorry, the game feels more dimensional now. That I could see how um, having very 3D skeuomorphic looking elements may have looked stupid on top because in previous games they were all kind of flattened up to an anime layer. So if you look at the other UI from other games, they look like they belong on the same plane. And I could totally believe that if they did that same thing, but it, it would just be floating in space on top of things that are so dimensional and they're using a lot more of the 3D and they have a lot more understanding of lighting that they would look stupid and fake on top of that. So my guess would be that they kind of went down that path and were like, oh, okay, let's go real simple. Let's be like Call of Duty where we basically have uh, the best UI is no UI. Um, and uh, either way, we, we haven't gotten to doing that, that the, the really like highlighted metal chrome and stuff like that. Um, but then they realized that stuff like they had to make the counter like a serif typeface because number numerals are impossible to read if they're uh, if they don't have ligatures on them. So I, I almost feel like there's just a bunch of like ideas and academics and compromises. And I would actually bet that the game is not going to come out with this UI. Is the long-winded uh, analysis I have of that. Yeah, I would have to agree that you know, especially based on a lot of the transparent feedback that was received uh we're not going to see that we're not going to see those fonts there's going to be a different treatment uh overall with their approach on it so yeah i mean because the feedback was real which it needed to be um and that is something that they're taking pretty serious so i'm excited to see what they come up with uh given you know the response for Massive being on screen. All this stuff makes me wonder if they actually have a new UI designer on the game, and that that person just does not fundamentally understand the the design principles of the game. Like they're trying to apply things that work for other titles or things that they've worked on previously. I don't want to. I don't want to call it and say that's definitely what's happening, but that to me is the most believable explanation. Is that a good UI designer that has because like all these these things we're talking about. They do work for some other titles. It's not like it's not like these are wrong things to do. They're just wrong things to do for this game and for a fighting game. Um, and I've I've definitely been in the place where I've worked on a UI or worked on something that looked fine in a still shot when I designed the top of a screenshot, but like just absolutely fell on its face when it was actually in the game animating and moving and stuff like that. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm surprised that they let it go out, but I could also believe that it was placeholder too. Either way, even if that isn't true, that's what I would say. If I were if I were Arc System Works, I would just be like, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, totally. We just hadn't had time to do it yet. That was just the placeholder UI to make sure it was working. And we just tidied up the fonts a little bit so it didn't look too too rough around the edges. Don't worry about it. That wasn't real. What a joke. Haha. That's what I think. Right. That's, I mean, that's the best. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way for them to approach it, honestly. Um, and it's probably what is going to happen. I mean, I would... It would be difficult for me to believe something that's different than that. Like that seems like that makes the most sense. Like, what? what what's the? I, I will say this isn't about the fonts, but the most surprising thing to me about this is the moving portrait, because like yeah. it's almost a cardinal rule of like supportive interface design that the most important thing you 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 probably hear about this a lot with phone screens. Uh, what's important is not what an icon looks like for the most part; it's placement. You use um, you use spatial understanding to think about. It. So it's actually where a thing where like if you have a a Twitter app icon or something, they can change it all day as long as it's relatively the same. You mainly use where it's located on your phone to get to it. 
So the, the fact that some UI designer would go in, whether or not it was the original one, and have a UI element while you're fighting that moves across the screen makes no sense to me. Yeah. That like like could you imagine if you had a car interface that moves stuff back and forth across the screen while you were trying to drive? Like you're that that messes with all the heuristics of how people um, look at and understand things in their periphery. Like it requires you to constantly reevaluate the position of something. So I I I think maybe they thought that like, oh, if the graphic is at closer to the bottom of the health bar, they'll be able to glance at it and know that they're low on health without realizing that it's much lower cognitive load to just have a bar and have the position and color of the bar um, move back and forth rather than having the portrait. Because like, you're basically going to constantly be referencing where the portrait is, and it's not going to be in the place you expect it to. So it's going to literally take an extra processing power to pay attention to that instead of paying attention to your character you're controlling. It's just like, I can't believe that, that like no one was like, hey, this is fundamentally not how you design uh interfaces that are supportive to something else happening there's something strange actually with this game is that they, they say they want to reinvent thing and i feel that they don't they, they want to go they, they want to move away from the i don't know the martial art uh logic like for example the, the there's no round icons in this game there are earths icons and the arts and you lose arts like in Zelda when you lose a round and I remember being so confused when we started because like why 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 is the why have we, we have true lives like what's going on you know and maybe they think that you know this whole martial art martial art or fighting you know logic of winning rounds winning sets is too complicated or foreign or, or not very attractive. I don't know, but that the, the, this moving UI and things like that—that's also the way I think they feel about it. Is that it's too video game or it reminds me like if you if you if you keep the full bar like a container for the bar and you don't have any life left. It only show you shows you how much life you lost, you know. And I have this feeling that they don't want to be, I don't know, aggressive or remind you of your own failure, things like that. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if that makes sense. But that's a th that's how I feel about it. And uh... <laughs> well, that's an excellent We're... point, though. Like, I, I, I'm, I not, I'm not sure. But it, uh, that's but I could I could kind of see how that could be taken into play where it's like well we don't want to remind you of your quote unquote failures like because I had a friend who used to play fighting games and you know they got into shooting games and more team based games because they liked the idea of working together because they didn't like the feeling or the responsibility or the burden of everything's on me. If I miss this combo or I make this bad read, it's on me. So I'm reminded while this person's figuring me out that I'm a failure and then like I'm getting hit by stuff and things and now I'm dizzy. Like that feeling of like, I guess, exponential failure. Like it's like, you know, once once you start tumbling down that hill, you know, maybe they feel like psychologically, like if it makes them think about something else, uh maybe well, it doesn't hurt as much but it's like the reality is if you're getting 
if you're getting bodied, you're getting bodied. It's yeah, not going to change. That's the thing we, we, we're going to talk about during the gameplay part is that basically Arc System Work is frightened by... To, is afraid of uh, losing people due to their games being fighting games, basically. And everything that is in fighting games is not very like it, it's a good feeling when you're budding someone like uh, like james do, does all the time with broken characters but it's not a good feeling when <laughs> when you are playing against james for example and it takes a, a broken character so the, the 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 way i feel it is is this way is okay we 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 are not going to be talking about rounds we're we're going to be talking about uh, hurts or life we're not going to show you that you've lost so much life because there's the gut system where the one third of the um, life bar has as much uh, have much um, have more life points than the other part of the life bar so there's a lot of cheating going on in this ui in my opinion to make you feel that it's okay you're not in danger it's everything is fine you're doing fine and one thing that is very apparent is that the 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 guard george which is a staple in the guilty gear uh, series is that when you block there's a, a little bar that's going up and this little bar is so small that a lot of friends didn't even see it in the in the ui and this little bar is inside um, it's right behind the, 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 the portrait of the character and the burst icon. And those three things are moving with the life bar, like we said. So basically, you can't, you almost can't see the, 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 the guard judge of your opponent or yours. And it's moving all the time. So that's terrible. And what they said in an interview is that they don't want to put too much things on the screen, like judges and things like that, probably because they are afraid of their game looking complicated, and that's the 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 the, the, the uh, that's yeah. the the corner the the the, the 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 thing that doesn't work in Excel is that they at, at a glance they don't want people to be intimidated. Yeah, they want it to look familiar, and that, that that's why it looks more like a mobile game now. Yeah. One, one thing I will say that I, li I like and understand, uh, something very subtle. So you'll also notice if you look closely that normally a fighting game interface is placed on top of the action. It's just a layer on top of what you're watching. You'll notice that actually the characters and the effects pass in front of the UI in this game. Yeah. Yeah. And my theory behind this is, is that there is a graffiti technique I forget the name of it, but uh, basically the the style of you, you'll see this a lot whenever you want something to feel dimensional with with type is that you will have the the type intertwine with objects in space. So it's often done with like um, I, I'm trying to remember uh, Valorant did this with their art where they actually had the character um, going both um, dimensionally in the foreground and the background of the font so that they felt as though they were in the same space as yeah. the typeface. And I definitely can see how I think what they were trying to do was make the the type feel like a, to your point, a less intimidating layer that existed in the same space um, 
and again, like I said, go for like more of the art house style look rather than the punk look. Uh, but I, I actually think that the drive behind it was meant to be more of a simplified polish, but it doesn't come off that way because they didn't use it very thoughtfully. Mm-hmm. But like to your, to, your, to your point, a lot of ideas are there that don't work. Like they, they work on their own or they work in context. But when you, when you apply them without understanding why they're used, then they just kind of don't come together very well. Um, and I, but I could totally agree with you as well in that at a glance, the UI does look more straightforward, uh, but then it's also useless. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the could, problem. Could we talk a bit about the uh, select screen? You know, yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, that's mobile game 100 percent. Yes, like, but, but but that's a good thing actually, not for the aesthetics, but for the um, for the the way they they stack the characters like in uh, in different categories like tricky power or speed or things like that. And uh, that's you know when you talk about making fighting games more accessible, that's one of the things you you probably can do to to make them accessible is to say okay this character you're going to move fast this character you're going to punch out this character well it's yeah. tricky style so it may it means you're going to you 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 need to uh, trick your opponent into doing things something like that so i'm not very happy with the aesthetics too but at least from a, a functional point of view i think it works yeah yeah the way it's organized is cool uh, i mm-hmm. I love how May is right next to um, Potemkin as the powerhouse character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, cool. Uh, Sean, James, any thoughts about the... Uh, I, I will say, um, I think there is a lot of utility to... Um, I don't, I, the word's not excitedness, but like, so when I look at a character select screen, uh, as a, an example, I think the past ones that I've liked so much about it is... Uh, I actually, as much as I like this idea that we're talking about that they have, is I don't think the character select screen is the right time to educate people. Um, mm. I, I think that's a fundamentally misplaced idea. There, there's like the, a right and wrong time to do something. And to me, character select should be about like hype and it should be yeah. about like setting yourself up. It, it just, it feels like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, like imagine if you got like a beautiful, well-made like dish at a restaurant put in front of you and you're about to eat it and they they put their hand in front of you and they go so let me tell you everything that's in the dish and i'm going to spend like 20 minutes explaining to you how we made this and you're like not right now i'm excited about this i'm i'm going to take a picture of it and i'm going to i'm going to enjoy the experience of this like let's just say it's a 300 dollars dish or something that's how i feel about character you just described a Michelin star experience. That's exactly what they do, right? When you, when you spend like over two hundred dollars per per person, they they tell you. So I, don't, right? I don't know what Michelin star restaurants uh, you're going to, but all of my favorite restaurants, uh, especially ones that are expensive, uh, they give you a choice first of all. Um, uh, but uh, I actually think that. Uh, what I'm talking, you're talking about Michelin, where they're trying very hard. I'm thinking more about like, like visceral, like favorite steak place that is yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like the the idea to me is that um, there's there's like a time and place, and I also I have been to 
some Michelin restaurants that do what you're describing, and uh, it ruins the experience. So it's a good example. <laughs> I just like it's it's to me like it's just like like the wires do not cross well there. Like they're the obviously the fun the function of a character select screen is to have you select a character, but I, I would argue that if you're going into that screen and you like you're not going to like you're not really going to be able to make an educated choice about which character you want to select, and uh, you're really it's just the function of selecting which character and creating that rivalry feel. Like the it's it's creating the momentum. And to me, like what I don't like about their character select screen, independent of its mobileness or not mobileness, is like it it doesn't get the train moving at all for me. <laughs> like mm. there's there's no momentum into the the game. Like it doesn't build up into the insane like like the way that guilty gear normally works is like the like the, the plates slam together there's this thing circling like there's tons of great music as like you're selecting them they're, they're like flipping on screen with like heavy sound effects like logos are coming on uh they have very reactive like sound effects like very meaty like a lot of weight behind them like a lot and and then you take that energy as they yell uh who's basically going up against each other into the loading into them facing off with their intros into like heaven or hell and to me like like if i were to ask you at what point does the hype and momentum for the battle actually start uh probably the intro and that has not been true of guilty gear games guilty gear in the past has had that energy as soon as you get on the main screen and it takes it all the way into the fight and i think that's what makes it feel very high energy as soon as you start so that's my my, my uh, kind of mm. diatribe on it I think you're right about this. One of the recent games that made it very well was uh, Mortal Kombat X. Like each time you went to a character, the the 3D model was loaded, loaded, and the character will move towards you, looking at you, making an animation like I'm badass as fuck and all things like that. And then when both character, both players take their characters, the true 3D model turns to each other, and then they taunt each other and that's so cool <laughs> because you're like wow yeah uh, the, the guy is coming to me and once i said okay i'm playing with you he starts already to taunt the other character and there are a lot of um they did this too in uh, i think it was in justice too a lot of small animation where they even even things that are very specific to uh, characters be, uh, relationship between characters so that's super cool and uh, the music helps a lot too yeah sean i i think what you described there um that's what people uh feel is missing right that they they, they probably wouldn't articulate themselves exactly like that but like yeah it's it's um it's missing the momentum and i think you you did a great job describing why yeah why it's missing that momentum yeah Good points. All right. Um, any anything else to say about the UI before we uh, go go into the final part of this? Uh, I think uh, the, the the one thing I was gonna say regarding character select is that I mean the character select is the invitation to the party outside of the uh, intro of a game, especially a fighting game. And when you take away that moment, I guess you could say. I don't know, the initiation point, right? Like, the same way someone puts a quarter in or the same way someone pushes the start button. Like, when you take this moment to explain instead of letting the player experience whatever world you're trying to introduce them to, it disrupts the momentum. Um, mm. 
there's always been presentation, I mean, in fighting games that character select screen. I mean, I could talk about the horizontal scrolling that happens uh, in Samurai Showdown 2's character select screen, the Alpha 2, um, the, 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 the pseudo-storyboarded, like, twirl you go through for Marvel vs. Capcom 2. There's an initial sort of invitation to the player at that point that should be there that's like you are about to experience this game that we've created not a oh let me tell you about all of this and then like have a screen that's not really visually inviting or alluring uh it it, it to me it felt like the character select screen in strive in the beta was like just like a developer template it didn't feel like that's what something like a player was supposed to see um it was just really boring. Uh, and I mean, I think Arctis has a lot of challenges in regards to the presentation of the game right now, just because they have so many other thoughts and concerns that are not necessarily new, but they're becoming a bit more prominent for them, is how people are absorbing information. And I feel like while I understand the the idea behind it, I do believe that like you need to not have your character select screen be a snooze fest. You need to to not have uh, this be something that almost makes someone not play it, you know, because the seasoned fighting game player is going to play Guilty Gear. Mm-hmm. But like someone that's new to it, they might look at that screen and be like, <sighs> you know, they might be at a friend's house or they may be looking at something on YouTube like, <sighs> and then they're just going to go away, you know, like, I, I would. I, I hate using this word, but I, I actually think it's lazy because the the, the sad thing is is that there is a way to do all this stuff in, and achieve the, the, the thing we're talking about, like teaching people what type of character, like there's a way to organize them together, to use color, to like use like short lines, like charges forward with vibrant energy to help educate you. But like this one, this one like looks like, uh, this is gonna sound bad because I am a UX designer, but this looks like a UX design card sorting exercise to me. Like where it's entirely <laughs> functional around like, Here's, here are cards of characters. Please place them on the whiteboard under which ones you believe are balanced, speed, power, and tricky. Like, that's just not... Like, you can do these <laughs> You're reminding me of terrible, terrible exercises. <laughs> so, so it's just... This is what it... Like, they even look like um, index cards. Like, so, so to me, I, I actually think this is a case where I would bet that they just didn't spend that much time on it. And it makes me... I'm hoping that they, that they, they just didn't have the time. Because, like, it, it, even the, the idea of it, like I said, you can execute these things uh, in a... It, it's possible to do within the interface. I don't think that the education thing is an excuse. It's more just the reason we're talking about it so much is because it's so boring that it's so brazenly about the education and nothing else that it kind of, like, tones everything else down. You're like, oh, okay. Let's, I, guess we're, I guess we're interested in teaching you what these characters do um, and giving you one-liners. Like, to... to to James' point as well, I think I think this goes back to what Thomas was saying. It may be an accessibility thing where they think that very clearly spelling it out and giving you like, uh, like I look at me, it's like relentless girl charges forward with vibrant energy. Like you're not like people, you're, you're expecting people won't even put in enough investment to figure out who a character is. You have to give them like a snappy one-liner to help explain who the character is, followed by putting them into a category, rather than allowing people to like learn which one looks cool or to get excited or. Uh, like to like I, I don't I'm trying to remember which game it was but um, I guess I guess I'm thinking more of like games like like Overwatch and stuff where it's possible to just group people together 
like just from yes, a, a proximity yes, perspective. Yes. And it, it helps educate you, but it doesn't like smack you over the face with like, hey, I'm educating you right now. Like, so like, I, I think even Mortal Kombat's done this where they segment characters together based on what they're related to. Yeah, so yeah, it's possible true. to do this. I think they were just lazy. That's just my, my hot take. Yeah, the, the, I think the Overwatch, but basically since 2016, Overwatch is like the fighting game of FPS. So big, oh, yeah. the, the character, it takes so much from fighting games. Overwatch takes so much from fighting games, but with good ideas and a, a kind of, you know, novelty we we somehow need in fighting games sometimes. But they, they completely went, you know, they, they missed it in uh, Excel. So, well, nothing else to add. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, yeah, that's basically it. It's just like, it's, it's, it's too boring to be, a character select screen. I mean, something as simple as like taking the basis of an interesting character select screen, like the the underwire of it, and having them merge together into the character select screen is literally two like horizontal paths like converging, and then the screen like that's what it does in Alpha Two. Like and that's basic as shit. Like mm-hmm. it's just I feel like there's there's no real reason for it. It's just like I mean there is, but it's just it just comes off as lazy. Like to to you know to piggyback off of Sean, it just comes off as lazy. Yeah, I, I thought it was unfinished, um, just at a glance. I was like, oh, that's clearly placeholder. Uh, um, no. <laughs> the, the more you look at it, it's actually pretty refined. Like, there's even, like, a little static effect on the character. There's, like, motion graphics going on and, like, a lot of subtle stuff. But it, it just doesn't, you know, doesn't feel like Guilty Gear. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what doesn't feel about, like Guilty Gear 2? Oh, the gameplay! Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. oh <laughs> okay. the team! Uh, okay. Beautiful segue. First of all, blood. I want blood. Right. I want right now. James, do you start, or do I start? <laughs> I think you've earned the, <laughs> the the divine right to start. So I'm gonna let you start. Have you seen my art of transitioning to subjects? Yeah. So uh, the the gameplay is. Not good. <laughs> I see. Once again, it's like the UI. We, we see what they want to do, but actually it's boring. And that's the problem of the game. And a lot of uh, things that... Uh, uh, another game that, uh, that uh, Strive gets compared to is uh, Street Fighter V. And which, when you get compared to Street Fighter V, it's not uh, <laughs> for good reasons. It's never a good reason. So basically, uh, just for the audience, maybe you don't know fighting games, but just a primer of what they are trying to to, to fix. And we, I'm doing, I'm saying fix with you know air quotes, like big, big, big air quotes. Basically, games from Arc System Works have long uh, turns. Like when you you know when you play chess you uh, you have to to to, to play speed uh, and uh, you you hit the clock and things like that and if you play Tekken for example it's always I hit you you hit me I hit you you hit me and the the basics of the game is trying to steal the turn of the other of the other player and in games from in arc system or games since they are very aggressive games and that you can like press a lot of buttons and a lot of things happen. And uh, if the if the opponent is guarding, well, then he has to guard a long time and he has to identify when it is its turn to play. And that's the one thing that is the most difficult in all Arc System Work games. It's not combos, 
it's not pressure, it's to know when it's your turn to play. And it's very apparent in, for example, uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z because this game has like a single or maybe two defensive mechanics. So when you want to get out of pressure, you have to really commit to get out of pressure. And so the, the thing they are trying to address here is, gear, is reducing the turns for the attacker because if you reduce the reduce this time the, 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 this period, then the defensive player will guard uh, um, less longer, and that's something I think uh, you all experienced or you all seen one day is oh, but I don't want to guard because that's boring. I want to press buttons, <laughs> and <laughs> when, you, when you play against inexperienced play, player. And they, they, for example, you knock them down and they, they rise again, they rise up and they press a lot of buttons and everything you do is counter it, counter it, counter it, and they're dead. And that's because people don't want to play defensive in games when they don't know where they don't know how to play. Basically, that's, that's the reason why Dark Souls is so famous. <laughs> And uh, so that's why that's what they are trying to fix. And once again, I don't think it needs to be fixed because it's not a problem. They think it's a problem, but it's not a problem. And so every gameplay change they are doing in this game goes, in my opinion, towards this plan. And uh, okay, do you want me to go into details on the mechanics or do you want to... Let's have uh, anyone else want to chime in? Oh, really? It's just you, uh, you, 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 you two. I, I've not played. Honestly, I have also not played the beta. I want to hear what James has to say before we get uh, into the I mean, I mean, I mean, honestly, like it. This, this, this goes to a thing that is a point of contention with fighting games that have been made, like post two thousand nine, is the idea that we need to change what fighting games are. And what what ends up happening is you you have these uh, you know these points of discovery right for developers like okay so we're gonna make inputs easier we're gonna you know reduce damage or we're gonna you know we're gonna make these attempts to make the game more understandable but I think that the biggest issue that a lot of developers have to understand is that fighting games are. They're, they're a specific type of experience. And no matter how much you change or you try to tweak, there has to be an understanding between the player and the developer that, I, that the developer is, is making a specific type of a game and that the player has to understand what that experience is going to elicit for them. And if they don't like it, then there's plenty of other games to play. But if they're willing to learn what they are and they're in an environment that encourages the player to learn, um, then they'll be okay. But now we have developers that are so terrified of the idea of uh, intimidation just kind of like destroying uh, the experience for people. So with Strive, they it's like they literally took away like the bulk of what makes Guilty Gear Guilty Gear and they're leaving you with this bare bones experience that while it is somewhat easier to digest, it's still 
doesn't address the problems. It's like a, it's a very contradictory game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because you're saying, okay, I don't want to overburden my new player with subsystems and all these things. So we're going to take this out. We're going to streamline this. Okay. We also don't want to intimidate the opponent into feeling like, or the player into feeling like they're garbage or like, oh my God, like this guy's destroying me. We're going to move the, the life bar. But guess what? If that person is playing chip and they're fighting Potemkin and they get grabbed twice, it's going to last four seconds. Regardless <laughs> of whatever other implementation you're putting into play to make the new player more comfortable. So on one hand, you're removing elements that are perceived as complex, right? But you're still creating an experience that for an inexperienced person, they're walking into something where they're going to be lost no matter what, and it's going to be mm -hmm. over before they can even try to surmise any sort of game plan. Yeah. So it, again, it's, it goes back to the idea that like, Fighting games are fighting games are fighting games. Regardless of what you change, the perception of this game to the player needs to be conducive to it, um, and developers need to be able to understand that without, uh, you know, giving into this sort of fear mm -hmm. to say, "Oh man, well we need to turn a two-player experience into a one-player experience." where everybody wins because i think like intrinsically like that's, that's what they want that's what they want because the main <laughs> problem of fighting games is that 50 percent of players are losing that's the real problem and as you said i think it was sean or, or you james who said it before uh, a friend who went to uh, team fps because he, he didn't want to uh, take the burden of you know missing yeah. and uh, being solo missing basically that's what fighting games are about. That's the only thing they are about. And you could do a lot of things differently. You could, I don't know, take a, you can take a MOBA and replace all encounters with a fighting game and it, it will be a, a team fighting game, for example. But basically, they are still stuck into this one versus one thing and they want people to be able to press buttons, basically. That, that's really it. For example... There's no corner. The corner is not a real corner in this game because, because when a new player plays an experienced player, they often finish in the corner and in the corner they can't escape. Since they can't escape, they take combos in their head, their life bar melts and the round is over. So what did they do in this game? Well, when you hit your opponent in the corner, the corner breaks and you go in another part of the stage and you go back to neutral. And that's a terrible idea. That's like the worst idea ever. I, I know why you do this, you know, but if you are going to do yeah. something that makes me, that like I already saw in the beta people finding strategies to not break the corner and keep their opponent in the corner. So basically it doesn't work <laughs> at all because if, if it's going to break the corner, well, I'm not going to do this move. I'm going to wait, put the opponent in knockdown. I'm going to put a fireball in his face. I'm, I'm going to mix him. And that's it. That's Guilty Gear. We, the, the, the players will have already been starting searching for ways to trick the system. And that's never good 
when you when it happens in during a beta and a lot of things are in this way in the game for example um, all moves in the almost all moves in the air makes you fail fell on the ground like you can't do a basic combo like in the air like kick slash jump kick slash and a dragon punch it doesn't work because you do slash the opponent falls on the ground you do uh, i don't know a move for example that makes you uh, that puts you in uh, in the air if they don't want you to combo from this move the opponent will fall back to his knees uh, instantly there's hardly arc knockdown in the game too like every character will um, will get back on his legs each time they get hit or are put on the ground so everything is made so you know players that are losing get another chance to press buttons and maybe to do something but that's ridiculous that's not fighting games don't work this way and that's not uh, because at the end of a combo in the corner you break the corner and you're back in neutral that the losing player or the less inexperienced player are going to win or are having more chance to do something it doesn't work this way not at all that's a that's a myth you know that that's not going to work and they also changed things like the the chain system like the punch kick slash uh, heavy slash dust uh, that was there for for 20 years they change it to something that is so complicated like so complicated like punch can link into crouch punch but it can't link into kick except if you do a forward kick if your characters has a forward kick and each move can link or be chained to other moves but not all because now it's done on a character basis so you something that was simple like punch kick slash eye slash basically disappeared so it's very contradictory like you want people to be able to press buttons and things happens but basically nothing happens now when you press buttons you just do one move and that's all so but I, I get why they wanted to do this because from a, a game design perspective, they want to differentiate, differentiate sorry, the, the, the reward you get depending on the risk of the button you pressed. And actually in Gitty Gear, if you start with punch, which is, uh, which is a, a very safe uh, move, and you do uh, punch, kick, slash, eye, slash, crouch, uh, dust, you get a knockdown just by starting with a punch. So it's a big reward for very little risk. So that's why, from a game design perspective, they want to change it. But actually, it makes the game way more complicated than it was before. And uh, yeah, James, you want you want to do? S- so what did you think the, about it? So the thing is, is that, and I'm I'm sure I said this before. I was talking about this on Twitter. Um, with so much emphasis on a newer player being able to you know, walk upright, I guess, within the world of a a fighting game, um, they have to have tools, introductory tools. Um, Even if these tools are not uh, the most vital, you know, in terms of, like, competitive standings, right? Um, And this is where the basic hitting buttons thing comes into play and also Gatling combos, which is what he was describing. Mm -hmm. The real stun, which is what the the property of hitting an attack on a person and how much it pushes you away from them so that you just can't keep hitting them. 
was lenient enough in previous series that if you didn't know what you were doing, if you were a new player and someone told you about the Gatling combo system, but you weren't necessarily familiar with it, so you ran up to your opponent with soul, because every new player is going to play soul, um, and they're just hitting light punch, or not light punch, sorry, punch, um, they're going to be able to link three or four different hits in there. Mm-hmm. Now, to an experienced player, that doesn't mean shit, because you just took like 45 cents of health away from me. That's nothing. I don't really care. But to someone who's new, it's like, oh, cool, I did a four-hit combo. Oh, wait, if I do that thing my friend told me, punch, kick, slash, heavy slash, oh, wow, that took a little more damage. Even though in the bigger scheme of things, a, a, a chain combo that does 20% damage with no setup or you know anything after it is trash, it's still the first steps that a new player needs to take mm-hmm. where they feel, at least on a minimal level, empowered to learn the game. When you take away something like that and you put them in a system that for you know a new player, zoning is a complicated concept. Uh, offense and defense, being able to know when to switch between the two is a difficult and complicated concept. Uh, when you take away a basic idea, okay, let me just try to land this combo, right? Like, they can't do anything. They're going to be too busy blocking, and we already know how that makes people feel. Mm-mm. They want to hit buttons. They can't hit buttons. If they do hit buttons, they die even faster because the damage is so high. <laughs> um, it creates an environment where ultimately you risk the thing that you fear the most as a developer is the player walking away and never playing the game again. Yeah. Um, so the problem that Strive has is that while I enjoyed it, um, for new players, it definitely puts them in a situation where it's just a massive catch-22. Um, because there's nothing that you can really do outside of maybe throw out a special move here or there without having true understanding of what you're trying to do with that move. And then somebody traps you or puts you in a predicament where now you're up against the corner of the wall. And let's say, you know, they are adapt to not letting the corner break, you're just going to be stuck. And even if they are not adapt to breaking the corner, they're going to break the the corner and be willing to put you back in the same situation because you don't have enough information to get them off of you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it creates, it's, it's a weird situation where there's aspects that I really enjoyed about it, but I do think it is not the Guilty Gear game that uh, currently it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I because I, I on Twitter I was like, well, I understand why they're doing these things, but maybe they need to be retweaked. Um, because yeah, people were already trying to figure out how to keep the corner from breaking, mm-hmm. and in some instances they didn't even need to do that. They were just pummeling people. They were just dunking on people because that's what people do. Like it's a fighting game. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I I tell people to this day, it's like, well, listen, you're on the other side of that screen. I'm there to beat you. And I'm going to use whatever skills I have to beat you. Um, that's how a fighting game works. And I think the way that we, the way that developers kind of have their approach introducing new players to the game is I think that they need to implement the idea of, like, if you're going to educate somebody, you need to educate them on the dynamics and the philosophy of a fighting game. I think so that they understand yeah, yeah. what they're getting into. And, and by, the, by the philosophy, I'm not even sure it's the philosophy, but the pleasure of beating the face of someone with your shoes. 
that's the thing you need to pass to the people who wants to play fighting games. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to do cool shit. You're going to crush this person in front of you and you're going to enjoy it so much that you're going to come back. And that's the thing. But that's the, the one guy that uh, explained it very well is uh, Kate from the Killer Instinct team. He said, like, in the last 10 years, each time that you buy a fighting game on the, on the cover, it's written uh, super easy to play, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, okay, I can't wait to go home and master this game in 10 minutes. You know, and that's that's ridiculous. You know, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But but marketing and and even now game designers like uh, the ones from Street Fighter Five or the ones from Guilty Gear Strive, it's like they trust. They 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 they, they, they trust. It's happening. It's actually a good thing. It's the truth, and it's it's not the case. It's what you need to do to sell a fighting game is that is to say, hey. You've seen how cool that shit is. We talked about, you know, for, for 20 minutes about dust loops in the previous episode. And oh, that was mm -hmm. fundamental for us to learn the game and uh, continue to play the game because it was so cool. It was so humiliating to do to someone else, you know. And that's the thing that they don't talk about. No, but no, no game sell to you, crush your opponents, destroy them, humiliate them. You know, yeah. no, nobody says that, and that's the real problem. That's the fun part of a fighting game. You master it so you can destroy people. Yeah, and I and, think that that's uh, and it's 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 interesting because I like Mago actually spoke about this like a couple of years ago. I think he was on like a Topanga um, podcast, and he was just like, "Fighting games are for mean people." <laughs> and um you know at first i kind of like laughed at it like okay i kind of get what you're saying but then i thought about it a little bit longer and i said you know the idea of looking at a tool set and figuring out how to maximize you know the playing field with this tool set with any opponent like you are essentially positioning yourself to have no concern for them right yeah. as like an opponent like this is just <laughs> like what a fighting game trains you to do mm -mm. it's within the sport of it but the idea is i'll give you an example right when i play let's say i'll say let's say guy like an alpha two right um oh. i'm already looking at what combos knock you down I'm looking at, like, anti-airs, like, you know, if you jump in, what to do. I'm looking at the longest pokes, whether or not they can confirm into anything. Mm. Like, I'm literally devising a plan to make your life miserable in this game. No matter what character I'm playing. <laughs> right? So, and that's on the base level. This is, like, just the first five to ten minutes. Like, just pushing yeah. buttons, seeing what they do. I do the same. So after that, I'm like, okay, I'm doing this combo. Huh. This combo knocks them down a character and a half away from me. Okay. So what other moves do I have? Oh, I have my Bushin flip. Where does that put me while they're, like, knocked down? Um, it puts me five characters away from where I am now. Okay. So let's say I do knee bash. Okay, I do knee bash, and I do the throw at the end of it to knock them away. Oh, that knocks them almost the same distance as the Bushin flip. 
oh, look, that puts me on the opposite side when they wake up. Guess what I get to do? A combo, <laughs> right? Like, I am devising a plan to frustrate you. That is yeah. what fighting games are. And I think the problem is that developers want to, like, shy away from that. But that's what a fighting game is. And I, and I think that any game that's two-player and competitive, I mean, you're there to, you know, defeat your opponent. But I think there's something to be said. And this might sound a bit high concept or silly, but uh, something about that visual or digital representation of yourself getting beaten is damaging to certain to, to, to some people's ego yeah. enough that it makes them not want to play anymore or it makes them feel a certain way because I've, I've played I've had this happen with my friends I've had this happen with people that I don't know which is kind of dangerous uh where I was like I don't know I was like 12 or 13 and I was waiting for a movie to start in the mall so I was in the arcade just hitting buttons against the computer uh, Marvel superheroes, and I had just learned how to do longer combos with Spider Man, right? So, you know, I'm just doing cool combos, waiting for the movie to start. You know, I'm not thinking about anything. So, then this guy comes up. Now, keep in mind, I'm in like a old mall that like is kind of shitty. The, the, the arcade sticks magically, like, luckily work, kind of, but the sound is off for the game. Right, mm-hmm. so I'm is just this, uh, whatever. Baltimore, where is this? This is in Greenbelt, Maryland. Okay, Greenbelt. Yeah, so you know I'm just chilling there, and uh, this guy comes up and he wants to play. I'm like, okay, cool. So you know I don't know if he's good or not. I don't know if he's bad or not. I'm just gonna play the game and see what happens. So I'm doing these long combos with Spider-Man, and I could feel this guy getting like frustrated. But I'm 12 or 13. I'm like, dude, like, I'm having fun. Like, I'm just going to keep playing. (laughs) And the the guy gets so frustrated that he punches the side of the cabinet. And he punches (laughs) it so hard that the sound comes back. And I'm like, (laughs) you know what? I'm just going to go. So I just, I ran into the movie theater. Because I didn't know what he was going to do. Like, I was just like, I got to get out of here. But, like. I've had similar instances where I was playing friends at home and, you know, I'm playing on a stick, they're playing on a PlayStation controller and I literally heard a controller crackle in my friend's hand. Oh. And it's like... There's actually actually a lot of um, data behind this that uh, when you lose games, I've actually done this study, this type of study on multiple games that I've worked on, is Mm -hmm. losing is a normal part of competition, but... Losing badly is usually the same impact as losing three to five times, depending on the game. Whoa. So, like, uh, so like, depending on how badly or how frustratingly you were beaten, uh, you, James, you, you may have literally beaten him ten times, and that's what it felt like to him. That's what you do to people, James. Do you realize now? <laughs> <laughs> But, but it's but the idea is that like it feels good. If, yeah, we don't wear. <laughs> yeah, like even even if a person, let's say someone's not like uh, influenced by like John Choi, Deshikan, and Alex Valle, right? Let's say they're not an aggressive player. Uh, let's say they're methodical like zoning player, right? Let's say they're like you know old school Justin Wong, right? You're just zoning all day and and you're running away, like. That's just as equally as frustrating. It's just longer. And 
the idea is that even if you're playing offensively or defensively, you are there to make your opponent miserable. Mm-hmm. Like, that is part of what makes fighting games interesting because, I mean, and I know, I know, I know Thomas is going to say something about this example, but I've seen Fist of the North Star tournaments where Toki is, like, doing his thing, right? And if you know Toki, Toki is, like, the Mag- MVC2 Magneto. And if you don't know MVC2 Magneto, he's, like, basically the best Marvel character you could ever play. He has cool combos. He, he kills you in an instant, right? So there's matches I've seen with Togi, and he's doing his thing. And the opponent is just like, all right, I'm going to just look for an opportunity where you make a mistake. And when they made the mistake, they literally did a combo on him that lasted 90 seconds. <laughs> that's it. Because so that's... I... The, the idea is that both players, whether they're high level, whether they're casual, whether they're intermediate, whatever... The idea is that both of you are there for the same purpose, is to, just to beat your opponent. Now, how you take that depends on the player individually. I've had the dog sheep beaten out of me by, like, players that are better than me, and it was amazing. Like, I wasn't always like that, but, like, for a good portion of my life, I was like, damn, that's fucking awesome. What can I learn from that? What can I glean from that? You know, yeah, like but not a lot of people... When he finally meets, like, Gen, like... Yeah, and he's like, I'll be the next to die. Yeah, like, that's... (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, it's funny you bring that up, like, because that was something that, like, as a kid, I didn't understand at first, but then I thought about it, I was like, wait, he's so good that, like, losing is what he looks forward to, because he wins so much. Like, So I want... I, I wanted to mention, uh, again, uh, this actually, uh, we, we've talked to Andy about this on previous podcast. He hasn't called it this, but this is actually, there's a game design theory called self-determination theory. And uh, I will tell you exactly what happens to two big parts of what make things fun have to do with uh, autonomy, competence, and relatedness. So with, with this thing, what you're talking about is autonomy and competence. Your ability to do things that you want to do, whether or not someone else lets you and your ability to get better at doing something. And when you are both frustratingly defeated and you can't move because you're locked into a combo, it is not very fun because you're taking away the other player's autonomy and they're, and they're also not feeling like they're getting better. But what you're talking about when you're excited to learn is whatever, is even if you weren't winning, you still felt like you were getting better or you had the opportunity to because you were learning from a better opponent. And the the overall like balance of those things within a game within competition is why it's uh, um, it kind of explains uh, I was mentioning this to to Richmond out of band that this actually explains why people like Dark Souls uh, even though it's uh, a punishingly hard game yes. so there's definitely something really important about the the exact right mixture of autonomy and competence uh, and then you can even argue that fighting games play the relatedness thing where it has the your ability to fight another human to be connected to others, but connected through your your competition and connected yes. through learning from them. So yes. uh, yeah. 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 I, I was actually thinking about Dark Souls as as we were uh, discussing, you know, the 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 sting of loss, uh, which is huge in fighting games. Um, D- Dark Souls uh, and Demon Souls before that, like they, 
that really flipped the script and what people expected of mainstream console games, right? Like games were getting easier and easier. And then all of a sudden this was, was a game that people got because like they were like, oh, I want a game that's difficult. I, it feels good to get my ass kicked. And they had a whole ad campaign, the whole prepare to die thing that set yeah. up the right expectation. I, I wonder if a, a huge part of fighting games is uh, just the, the total tone deaf marketing because yeah, it's, 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 it's absolutely it's, it's, right. You it's 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 too you know you're not there to 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 have tea with your opponent like you're, you're there to beat the crap out of them make life miserable like that's the whole <laughs> yeah. that's the whole point of the, the the anything any versus game and it's sort of a lie to say like oh well we we this one is going to be really truly like you know beginner friendly and we'll have a real comeback mechanic that you know that, that's a lie like I, I think it would be much more honest to say like if you put in the time you will beat the crap out of people. And even yeah. though, like, you're so miserable at the beginning, <laughs> you'll be able to pass on that, that misery later, you know? And yeah. it, 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 when you have that mindset, actually, then it's like what you were saying. Like, a loss turns into um, gain. It's a learning experience, right? Instead yeah. of saying, like, oh, no, I'm losing, you're like, oh, what did I do wrong? as you're getting the crap beaten out of you, you're like, how is this person doing this? How did I end up here? You know? Yeah. Did I ever tell you guys about uh, the first time I, I played uh, against Moprim in Third Strike? Did I ever tell that story? Oh, man. Oh, let's let's get into that. So, so, yeah, it, it, yeah, I, don't, I don't think I've heard of this story. Okay. So it has an extremely conducive point to what we're discussing. Um, when I first played Third Strike, I did not like it. I didn't yeah. understand it most of America did not understand Third Strike. And we didn't understand Third Strike until the USA-Japan Invitationals, and we got destroyed by Japan, like, unequivocally. Like, and, of course, damaged egos were a catalyst for people to dive back into the game and get better. During that time, uh, I was aware of who Daigo was, and I saw him play Third Strike. He moved with Ken like I had never seen a character move in a fighting game, and it inspired me to try to mimic it um i didn't understand it i just mimicked what i saw and it was kind of successful um to a point where i i ironically would tell people yeah i played third strike um and over time i kind of wanted to learn it but i didn't have the wherewithal to really understand it because my player base was very limited in third strike everybody was playing um marvel 2 and uh cbs 2 so Third Strike was always a side game for me. Um, and I went to, I think it was an East Coast Championships in New Jersey. And someone had a setup in a minivan of, like, Third Strike. We're all playing it. Moprim had just come back from Japan. And Moprim was a Texas player in Third Strike. And he was one of, like, the early innovators for American Third Strike players. I think he was before Chen Chang. He was before... Uh, yeah, he was, like, one of the earlier, like, supporters of this game. And he had his own posse or whatever, but he was just in Jersey by himself. And he was playing Third Strike, and I knew who he was. Oh, man, it's Moprim. Ah, I was like, I don't even understand why I wanted to play him. Because I know I don't know how to play Third Strike, right? Despite what my friends have, have told me at that time. Uh, I mean, I've had people literally scream at me, you parry supers, fuck you, man, you know how to play this game. Um, so anyways, so I go to play him and 
he literally beats me in slow motion. Um, everything that I did was obvious, was just, like, just super, like, John Madden, like, master of the obvious. This is what you're trying to do. And it felt just incrementally more awkward each time I interacted with him. And I was like, man, what is going on? It was to a point, and if you know me very well, I don't do wake-up supers usually. Like, I have to see something to punish it. But it was just like, my brain was just like overloaded with like how stupid he made me feel and look. That like, I just did wake-up shippu. And he parried all of it. And he could have done <laughs> fierce Shoryuken into Denjin and like did unblockable or whatever. But he didn't. He just gently walked toward me and threw me to finish the fight. And, like, I wasn't angry. I was just like, whoa. Like, I, I've i never had this happen to me before. And he looked at I, I asked him something. I can't remember what I asked him, but I remember him saying something like, you just got to learn the game. Like, he didn't say it in a mean way. He wasn't condescending or anything. He was just like, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta learn the game, man. And he just went on and he kept playing. And I remember like being like, you know what? When I go home, I'm gonna try to figure this shit out. <laughs> and years later, right? Like I think I was going to SCAD. I was kind of better at third strike by that time, but I still was like a baby. Like I was still on like the Google oh, of like third strike. So when I was playing people at like QCF and stuff, like that was me beginning to learn how to play Third Strike. And then I got the Togeki Super Battle Opera DVD for like 2007, I think. And that was when I started really trying to analyze and understand the game more. And I told Josh, like before I left SCAD, I was like, yeah, I think I'm just starting to understand like how to play Third Strike. And he gave me this look where he was just like, what do you even mean? Like, <laughs> how can you say that when you have literally slaughtered us for, like, years in this game? But it goes back to the idea that, like, when you're playing against somebody and they body you, yeah, like, your ego is going to be bruised. You're a human being. That's fine. But in that split second after that, if you can help it, your mindset should be, okay, what did I do wrong here? Is it that I missed the combo or is it that I literally read this entire match incorrectly? Mm -hmm. You know, like it, it, even if you're not like a high level player, like you're a casual player, there should be something that you can glean from it to say, okay, this guy at the least, right? This guy is just better than me. Um, it happens. Like if there's anything that they saw him do, even if they don't fully understand it, they can try to like, mimic it into a point that they can actually learn um because i mean losses is learning in fighting games man like you shouldn't feel like it's the end of the world that a, a sprite is laying prone on the, the ground because you lost like it should be okay i lost this fight he won there'll be other ones that i can win i just gotta learn you know yeah. like it, it it really it's and i think that's the problem is that people approach fighting games like the way they approach like a one player game is like, Oh, you know, it's just like uncharted. I'm Nathan Drake and I'm just going to win. No, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. If this guy's better than you or he understands the game enough that 
it, he can confuse you or make you feel weird about the match, then he's going to beat you. Like, you're there to make him miserable. He's there to make you miserable. And you, you basically say good game after that. That's fighting mm-hmm. games. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah, that that was yeah. that was the reason that I got better at third strike because Mo Green Mo Green beat the shit out of me in slow motion. And that's yeah. the problem we we have with uh, Strive, I think, is that once you you know played the game a little bit and start to understand what's going on, you realize that there's actually not a lot going on past the surface, and that's the big problem of the game at the moment. That you know. Let, let's forget for a moment that there's no corner, that you, you, there's no Okizeme, there's, they removed the, the Gatlings and things like that. Maybe it's, you know, a new type of game. Maybe that's something we can get interested in. And the problem is, in like six hours of game, I already had the feeling that I've, I have seen everything that the game had to offer to me. And that's one of the that's a big problem. That's the same with Street Fighter Five. You know, when you get play this game like in Street Fighter Five, the the the, um, the meat is really thin and really really hard to see on the bone. And that's something that makes the game like way less interesting and way more exclusive because you're you're going you're starting to go in strategies where you're like okay so if i do this i have three frames and i do if i do this i have four frames so it does this and does this and you're into you know micro micro mind game and that's not the thing i feel is fun in fighting games that's something i i leave to um competitive and uh, really really top players but i want to do cool stuff past you know doing uh, the five hit combo and doing the the special moves and things like that and when you play strive at the moment basically combos is i do a big move then i do a special move then i do a big move then i do a special move that i cancel so i redo a big move and then again a special move and that's the end and that's the whole thing you can do the 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 stylish things uh, thing I did, I don't know for you, James, but I picked Chipped for a moment, and it has this ability to run on the wall. Yes. And yeah. and against Potemkin, who has a large hitbox, you could do a wall combo, a, a combo that starts on the ground, then you run on the on the on the wall, and wow. you bring Potemkin at the top of the wall while comboing them, and at the end it breaks the wall while you are at the top of the wall, and that was the the coolest shit I did in the game, but that's the only thing that I thought was so cool that I did in the game. That's the biggest. That's the biggest problem. Is that like there's nothing else to do, or at least that's the implication. Is that once you find something, it's like congratulations, you have found the one thing that we have here, and there's nothing else to uh, expound upon. Now, Mm -hmm. I mean, again, we're we're talking about a beta. We're talking about something that's not done. so, you know, there could be more to it, but the consensus and the overall feel of it when you're playing the game is that, like, there's not much to discover. And that's a, that's a scary thing to, um, to have happen in the beta. Like, the game's not even out yet, and people can almost kind of feel like they've already reached the end of the game. Mm-mm-mm. And that's not... That's not a good thing. 
Um, and I think that people need to be able to understand that having options in a game is, is good. Um, even, you know, you don't want to have too many, but you don't want to have none. And I think with uh, Strive, you know, there's there's got to be a little more seasoning to the game right now. Because mm-hmm. right now, it's it's relatively bland. And I think that, you know, especially for new players, because new players need to have, like, uh, incentive to go towards. It's like, if the only incentive I have is... I can do this one combo into a Roman cancel, into a special move, into a special move. I'm going to feel like there's not much to do. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like the, uh, the era of discovery, I feel like is kind of dead right now. Um, I feel like people don't either. They don't want to discover shit. Yeah. Or, that's a problem too. Yeah. Like, or developers don't want you to explore, uh, because they don't want you to, um figure out something that's gonna like you know i don't know bruise the ego of your opponent so much that like it destroys the game but you have to have something there and i think with strive it's not enough and i think that like again you want to empower these new players man even if it gives them a combo that only does like 50 cents worth of damage Mm -hmm. like give them something uh, give them something to feel like they have some semblance of control and to say, okay, I'm putting one foot in front of the other in terms of, like, learning this game. Because right now, like, a newer player, there's not much for them to do. And then for a seasoned player, it's less for them to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it puts them... It almost makes you feel like you're at the end of the competitive meta for a game. And you're like, this is all that's here. This is, yeah. this is it. Like... This is what you get to play. We figured it out. Um, I don't know what to see. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah, yeah like- I get it. I get what you mean. The, the, the problem, too, is that right now, all the, the crazy things, people think it's unfair. Like, for, for some reason, like, it's been a staple in, the, in Street Fighter for 30 years. Dragon punches, like Shoryuken, are invincible. And somehow in the season two of Street Fighter V, they said, okay, it's unfair that it's invisible. So now it's only <laughs> invincible if it costs you matter. And that's the a trend we are seeing right now. And, and it happens in Guilty Gear 2, is in Strive, is that, okay, all the crazy stuff is behind matter. All the crazy stuff needs to be justified to be crazy. Because if you can do it like anytime you want, uh, and it's not anytime you want because you some most of the time you need a situation, you need a, the opponent, you need stuff like positioning or starting a combo some way and things like that. But people don't see it; they only see okay, you did a twenty hit combo on my face without resources, without using super meter or things like that. That's unfair, you know. And so that's the reason they are putting a lot of things like the the V trigger, for example, in Street Fighter Five. Each time I play Street Fighter V, I'm like, okay, I want to play this game, but with with trigger activated all the time. That's when the game is yeah. fun. <laughs> you know what? Like, it's funny you bring that up, man, because like one of the biggest problems that I had was I played the beta for five, and the beta for five was actually pretty fun, and it felt like something that could have been a game that I would have played for an extensive period of time, 
And when I think of V-Trigger, I feel like V-Trigger is the diet version plus, like, we're not even going to put the same amount of soda in the can of, like, what a custom combo is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like when you take away the opportunity for a player to innovate for the sake of a player who maybe doesn't have a firm understanding of the game or prefers not to uh, explore the game the way that this person is, like, you're just discouraging an imaginative player from playing your game. Like, you're basically telling them that you don't belong here uh, and I feel like with Street Fighter V, every time that I found something, I felt like it was like the beginnings of discovering it, and I was already at the end of the path of it. <laughs> so, like, like it, it felt like, damn, dude, like I should be able to do more with this, but the game is preventing me from actually yeah, being yeah. Uh, creative. And the stuff that is creative is so specific, and it's only one route, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I'll- well, they'll be like, okay, I'm going to do this one thing, and then I'm going to do a frame kill here, and then I'm going to do this to whiff this, and I'm on this side, and then I'm going to do this into V-Trigger, and then I'm going to do this, and that's it. And you see their matches over and over, and they don't change the variation of it because they can't. And it's like, that's pretty sad. Like, you mm-hmm. should be able to innovate. You should be able to say, okay, I'm going to take these tools, and I'm going to be able to be... Uh, creative when i need to be not well this is the only way i can do this i hope that this works and then just do it like it and and when people find stuff that's cool in street fighter 5 they usually take it out Mm -hmm. there's something i i was wondering just to ask you like richmond and uh well the three of you actually i had a not an argument but i Another guy that uh, that works for uh, a video game website that I worked for a few years ago, he took um, he took fighting games uh, uh, into uh, he, he likes to play fighting games. He's a very competent player, something like that. Maybe not as hardcore as me, and I don't consider myself most hardcore player, but well. And he told me something that I was surprised about. Like he he basically. Like the way I, I understood it is that I don't was I don't play Guilty Gear because you guys already play it way better than I do and I'm going to lose every time. Like the, the, basically, it's my fault because I play this yep. game for 20 years that is not playing it, you know. Yep. And I was like, whoa, that's f- first that's super weird, super weird way of you know uh, putting it. And I was like, okay, but. You know, if if you lose and if I win, and if I still play the game and you don't, maybe there's a good reason. And the, the the reason is that I enjoy the game more than you, and that so I put more time into it, so I'm rewarded, and that's normal. But it was it turned it like it was kind of a revenge on <laughs> experienced yeah. players, and I was like, whoa, that's. I, you know, I, I understand that, you know, 20 years of experience, the, that, you know, erasing the, this and making a, everyone start fresh is good, but it, it's a myth. Like, if I play old fighting games that came out in the last 15 years, of course, even in this new Guilty Gear, I'm going to be better than you and I'm going to crush you. So I was very surprised, a bit shocked, like, okay, I didn't thought you will 
imply it's my fault for not for you not being able to play the game and i think it was a bit hypocrit hypocritical uh, well that's the thing right like um that is a that is like a stigma that that tends to happen um because i've had similar things said to me like i remember we were Richmond, you might have been there, or Sean, I don't know, but this was at SCAD, um, we were at, like, a dinner, and uh, there were, like, a bunch of people there, like, I think it was, like, after finals, and we were talking about, uh, you know, fighting games, we were talking about people's different play styles or something, and someone in the group was like, well, I liked fighting games until you made me realize I had to have a degree in them, and I was <laughs> what... I do I do with that information? It's, you know, like... I, I feel like all, I vaguely remember this. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I feel like we all have different walks of life, right? Like, I got into art, I got into anime, I got into fighting games. You know, these are things that I communicate and I express myself through, and I put a lot of time into them because I care about them. Um, it wasn't that so I could randomly meet you on this day and make you feel miserable like that wasn't it's it's like in the game i want to make you feel miserable but outside of the game that's not what my intention is it's like i mean isn't this literally true of anything that you can be good at <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like but, but people have done that like it's become this idea that if you're good at a fighting game like you're the bad person like you're the you're 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 yeah. the big bad bully and it's like well i played this game for over 20 years because i have a huge passion and love for like the history of the game and the players and the game itself like i i, I, I will say i i think this actually exists throughout the game industry you'll hear it outletted as people complaining that they don't have time to sit home all day and play a game yes. or whatever but you're playing the same game with them though yeah yeah i i i don't think it's necessarily. I, I feel like fighting games just. Um, Richmond, I feel like we were talking about this or, or someone else where the difference between a lot of competitive games and ones like fighting games is it's just you and the other person. So you have very few things to blame your failures on. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's laid bare in a fighting game specifically. It's very raw. Like one uh, on one games, especially where it's move to move counterplay. Um, people get toxic and enjoy team-based games because they can distribute the blame for not being good at something. And it, like I said, being literally good at anything requires practice and dedication, and people that are passionate and excited about it spend more time and they are better. So if you want to compete at certain levels, then you have to put in the time. There's no shortcut. And I feel like you're just seeing it more highlighted um, and it reminds me a lot of uh, StarCraft as well. It's another one-on-one -on -one game that is very moment-to-moment, -moment, very tactical. Uh, and you have no one to blame but the other player or yourself. And it's always easier to blame the other player just being <laughs> way more experienced than you are than admitting that, like... And I, I think it's also... I don't know why there's so much of a stigma of why we can't just recognize that we have different skill levels. And uh, I don't know, the way that I've always approached it, like, even when, when I play against you James like I go in knowing <clears throat> that I'm gonna lose but the fun for me becomes can I take a round off of him can I yeah. do better at my combos um or the the exact opposite of what you're talking about like can I make this 
Like, I'm not going to win, but can I make it not fun for James to beat me? That's fun <laughs> in itself. Yeah, like, that's, yeah, like, it's, it's, yeah. you, and that's, and that's the thing, like, you should be able to, like, subconsciously uh, absorb that sensibility and say, okay, like, this is how I'm going to approach this fight. It's like, I fought John Choi in Alpha 3, and my objective was not to win. My objective was to do guys full Bushin chain on him. Or to do... No, I played Relento, that's what it was. Um, and I think my goal was to just punish anything that he messed up on. Did you at like, least get the? Did you at least get the snap in the Rolento snap? You know the. Yeah, like it was just like I was work, like, work. Can, I, can I actually punish something John Choi does? Like that was the whole point, and I punished like two things, and I was like, you the, know what? I'm good. I, I that is a moral victory for me. Th- this reminds me a lot of coaching that I've heard from people, um, a lot of people that I trust getting into running. So like when you go run a marathon or a half marathon, um, there's only a few people that are going to win, right? Like there's really only one person that's going to win. And if you're uh, like basically 98% of anybody running, like it's not, uh, it's not like you're not running to win. You're you're running for your own reasons. You have to come up with your own reasons. So the coaching that I always heard was like, you're running against yourself. You're running to improve. You're running to get healthy. You're you're running to enjoy the nice air outside. You're running to see the area that you're in. And I, I think it's the same. So there, you can only be so many people at the top of a game. And you, if you come in with that attitude where you blame other people, it's not going to be fun for you either way. You, you always have to come in with, you, like, to your point, your reason for doing something, and if it's to creatively express yourself or to have or to enjoy it, that's better than trying to win against your opponent. Uh, even though that is ultimately the goal, like everyone's still running toward the finish line. In my switching back and forth between metaphorical examples, but like ultimately, everyone knows that the having a goal is important, but w- like how you get there and how you achieve it, it, like the journey is more important especially in a, in a place where fundamentally there can be only one winner and it doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because, I, um, I mean, th- there's been so much discussion about why fighting games are, are kind of declining in popularity. And I think uh, this discussion here, we're getting into philosophy and we're, we're talking about sports. We're, we're not talking about game mechanics. We're talking about, like, the attitude that you bring as you go into this activity itself. Um, so that, that's a huge, that's a humongous hurdle to overcome mm-hmm. is we're asking people to, uh, be better, <laughs> to be a better version of themselves and to, to learn and grow, uh, from a video game. And I think there's sort of that disconnect that as, as much as people say they, they love games and they respect them and it's an art form, um, it, it reveals a lot when people blame their loss on you and say that, oh, well, you know, your experience with this game is why I can't enjoy it. Like that's... Well, I would say... Uh, like I said, if you look at esports and you look at like look at all the most popular games now, uh, can you think of one in like the top twenty or top twenty five that isn't a team based game of some sort? Nope. Or uh, nope. Uh, or or not even uh, like so things like battle royale are not team based. There's like a hundred other people, but again, like the ability to distribute your failures, blame. Yep. Yeah. Like but... you're technically alone in a ba- in a certain battle royales, but even the more popular ones are starting to go toward more team based things, right? Like it makes a lot of sense. Mais en fait, le truc, 
Oh, I speak in French now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we come back to the problem of 50% of players are losing. And if, for example, if you compare, you, you talked about Battle Royale. Okay, you're playing by yourself, but you can actually make top eight by just uh, hiding into a bush. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you don't have to fight. <laughs> To, to be to make top eight and you feel good after that you know but do i feel good because i hide in the bunch for for i don't know 40 minutes no not at all but some people do so that's one of the things also the the, the killer instinct developer said is that people feel good about winning for very different reasons and uh and well winning without doing any effort for some people, that's enough, you know. And for people like uh, like us, for example, that enjoy fighting games and like deserving or win, it's not good at all. So that I suppose that depends on the people. I I have a relevant story that uh, I don't know. If I'm making a point, but I wanted everyone to uh, understand the context. So I was playing a game of uh, Apex Legends, which is a battle royale where I you love have it. teams of three, and uh, what happened, I, I was actually playing ranked mode, which I thought would be, you know, my team would work mega. So I, I like playing just the team aspect. So as soon as I dropped in, both of my teammates left. So I was alone. <laughs> and I, yeah. and I, I, like most people, I think, would uh, be like, okay, well, I'm just going to get killed or leave, whatever. This one's a bust. But I was like, no, I'm going to try to do the best thing I can. And I basically avoided people. Yeah, I did it Aggressively <laughs> for the entire game. And I ended up waiting until the very end circle. The last two teams were fighting, and I basically slid at the end after they had like killed each other. And I like I just killed the last one, so I won the game by myself. And <laughs> uh, not because I was good, like uh, or anything. It was because like I basically did nothing the whole game and waited for everyone else to do the work. And on one hand, I was very proud that I didn't give up, but it was not fun at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like yeah. I play the game to play and work with the team and talk to people and succeed together. But um, I didn't really have a point to the story other than to mention that, like, to your point, there is a difference between winning and playing the game. It was not just fun to win, uh, even though I was like part of me was proud that I was I didn't just go run and gun and that I had like the determination to do it. But I was kind of like, man, if this ever happens again, I'm just going to quit because <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> worth my time. I would have much rather just gone back another game and played with the team and lost in the, the top, you know, 90 instead of uh, air quotes winning. But I still thought it was interesting. You, you know, that that is a form of self-expression in that game, though. It, it's just a fundamentally different format. So, like, you still did figure that out for yourself. Uh, that was a fun I, experience. I will say, though, I didn't... Uh, I think part of it was, like, there's something about... Uh, the, the sweetness of winning is, like, worse if you feel like you cheated. But I didn't cheat, but I basically, like, I think I fired maybe three shots in the entire game. Uh, because, like, I really didn't do any of the work. I just avoided people, and then I, I flew in with the one guy that had, like, 2% of his health left. So, like, I still didn't, like, the, the, uh, the whole, like, oh, the victory of, uh, the, the sweetness of victory tastes like ash in your mouth. Like, there's mm. <laughs> definitely something there where maybe it would have been more fun if I had had challenged and exceeded. So I think there's a level of um, where people also get to the point where it's also not fun to easily win all the time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's got to be a balance. It's got to be achievement, right? Yeah. 
Um, I wonder if there are things that fighting games could do in that regard. Like, you know, maybe you could, have, like, when someone's really good, they're, they're going to destroy the other people. Maybe you could just have a revolving door of opponents and this person just has one life bar and you're just like, okay, who's going to be the one that finally takes him out? Something like that. I don't know. I think one of the thing, one of the ideas that I had one moment, I was like, "Oh, could we do a team fighting?" I think the, the answer yeah. you seek is team. Like uh, to, team tournaments are the best, to be honest. Oh when yes, you, because team tournaments, you you have if you if it's done correctly, you have different level of players in each team, and uh, it becomes a, a tactical thing. And you even if you lose, you have the even if you lose and your team wins you know you're, you're very happy maybe you're you're unhappy because you you didn't help the team but still you 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 won you know and i think it's, that's something you should the the, the, the fighting games uh, designers should think about a lot like mix people between of different levels in teams and uh, the default fighting game online play should be as a team Mm. Well, well, one thing I, I was going to say, uh, sorry, one thing I was going to say about fighting games specifically that I actually really respect about the medium is, and I, I don't know if this is a real feeling, I feel like James will have a better perspective on it, but I've always liked how even if you, like Thomas has 20 years of experience and I have one, there's still an element of, you can't just let your guard down, like there is still, if it's it, assuming that you have like a mediocre or a competent player and a very high level player. Um, there is still the potential that if they get, if you get appropriate opening or you're able to do a combo that you could still win. It's not like they've built up the advantage over time. Uh, and to me, that is, that is part of the interplay as well is that um, there, like, like there is an element uh, of the back and forth where um, you don't, like you can you can uh not you can not get lucky but you like there's a baseline that someone that's good needs to maintain with you and you are like still you can still really be a threat in a in a fighting game um now granted maybe like with james story where he hasn't ever played the game before maybe that's not true but i think as people start going going up in skill level even a little bit it's the i, I think it's this is often kind of looked at as between the idea of a skill floor and a skill ceiling um, and when I think when when what fighting games do actually do pretty well is that the the skill floor is actually pretty low and the skill ceiling is insanely high. But it does mean that if you appropriately do it, it does mean that you can accessibly get into the game and you can still be a threat. And that makes every game fun uh, as long as like the other person isn't so much better than you that they're toying with you. But in general, uh, I I think there's also an interplay of like they can get cocky and then you're still a threat. And that makes it, it continue to be interesting, if I'm explaining that well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, cause I've seen that happen where, uh, I mean, a player that, you know, and, and Thomas probably understands what this phrase means, is a player that's not supposed to be a top player um, beating top players in tournaments. Um, I've been that person before. Thomas has been this person before. Um no, no, I, that, I've been that person before, too, actually, yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. the thing about it is It's that thrilling when it happens. It, yeah, and that's part of what makes fighting games exciting, is that, like, 
you could have that moment of, oh, okay, maybe it was a fluke or whatever, but you could also have that moment where what if this player that you're fighting is on the cusp of leveling up and you just happen to be the top player that is the victim of them leveling up? Yeah. <laughs> That's, to me, seeing something like that is, uh, it's dramatic. It's, uh, and it's, it's engrossing. And I think that, um, there's a responsibility on a top player to be able to understand that you're still human and that. Uh, uh, I was going to, I was going to say, uh, just to, to put a finer point on, on this and then I'll, I'll throw it back to you is I, I just to kind of explain also why I think it's unique to fighting games is that there are other one-on-one games like a Starcraft is a great example where, um, you, you know, there's that, that whole threat, but the difference being is that, you can't, uh, like a, uh, a player on the cusp, as you're mentioning, can't just um, all of a sudden instantly win a StarCraft game. Like, it takes a lot of time and effort, and the, the better player has a lot of time to recover. What I love about fighting games is that, to your point, that lapse of judgment or expectations could happen in a split second. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. It does not take much, man. Yeah, and does. There's also another thing that fighting games need to, to get right and that they don't get right at all is that the user experience is terrible in fighting games. Like, super terrible. Like, ultra-long um, loading times. Uh, when you're, for example, in training and you wait for uh, a match, you basically wait for some time. And then when they say to you, we found a match, the time that everyone takes its character, loads the game, sync the player, thing like that. It takes five minutes, so you, you, you don't play for five minutes. The match lasts three to five minutes again, maybe ten <laughs> yeah. if you're lucky, and you're yeah. back into loading uh, loading time, back into the, the, um, the lobby or the training mode, and you start again. And that's also terrible. If you lose a lot, you have... I mean... People who lose a lot and will uh, say it's the fault of the, 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 the experienced players, I feel them because, you know, they don't have the time or the patience to wait these 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes <laughs> each time they want to play that a is, game online. That is and, true. And that's <laughs> also terrible. I think, Sean, since you're a UX designer, you probably noticed it, but it's, I think it's very, very terrible, actually. I, I think... In you're, you're totally right on because the reverse example of this is I actually think this explains why games like Battle Royales are so popular because um, it's very quick to get into a game, like a game like a Fortnite or an Apex Legends. You can be into a game, dead, and into the next game within the span of like under five minutes. Like yeah. it's not as punishing to lose. So it's you don't feel as bad. Uh, and it's, not, it's, it's the whole interplay of distributing it among other players. But to your point... Um, I would imagine that Battle Royales would not do quite as well, especially the Fortnites of the world, if it took 10 minutes to get into a match. You, you see it a lot with MOBAs as well. As MOBAs age, especially um, ones like Heroes or Smite that are smaller, people will get really salty and complain if match queue times start go- like it start going up around like 5-10 minutes. Like Early on, people will be like, no, 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 I'll wait as long as I want, as long as I need to, to get a good match. But then the reality of that sets in and they're like, no, you know what? I, I don't want to wait to your point. Pick these things, wait 10 minutes, and then lose in five seconds. 
So closing the distance is actually important. So fighting games were able to achieve that battle royale type experience where getting in and out of games was a matter of seconds or minutes. I actually think you're right that the experience, the p players would play it more because it wouldn't just be an accessibility or a learning thing. Uh, it wouldn't feel as punishing to lose. They would very it, literally be playing more in the same span yeah. of time. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's almost like the run back theory working in reverse. And I think Thomas probably understands what I mean by that, because normally when you're in a tournament and somebody like just duffs you, like just body you like effortlessly and very quickly, like you need a moment to like regain your composure, think yeah. about the situation. Even if you're a new player, you just need a moment to calm down. Like, cause it's, it's a, a lot of adrenaline, but like to have something where you're like, all right, next match is up. Like it, I feel like it could actually create an experience where it encourages more learning because you're just focused on the next match. You're not dwelling on the fact that somebody like got a perfect on you. You're not worried about it because that was like five or six matches ago. Mm -mm. You're, you're like, Oh, but I landed a, a full bread and butter combo on this guy in this round. I didn't miss my combo. I lost, but I didn't miss my combo. So I'm yeah. learning something or, Oh, my footsies were better this time. I was actually like controlling where they were moving. I didn't win. But the things that people told me started to actually, like, kind of fall into place. So if you're playing on a faster, at a faster rate, um, it probably would encourage more learning. Yeah, of course. And there's a thing that you mentioned, like, I, I did my combo thing that fighting games need, uh, they, they need, like, ego manager for a better yeah. term. <laughs> And uh, one of the best ego managers of uh, la the last 10 years is actually the Ultra from Street Fighter 4. Because basically, if you are losing, your sole focus becomes the Ultra. I need to land <laughs> the Ultra. If I land the Ultra, I can make enough damage to maybe come back. And if the difference in life uh, in life bar is way too much, but then I can at least do the ultra in his face and say to him, "Ha, you beat me, but I placed my ultra in your face." And um, this way, even if you lose, you're like, "Okay, I lost, but I did this." And uh, one of the things that the the, the these these moments, like you can't put an ultra in every game, you know, because uh, games have needs to be to differentiate each other. But what the what designers have been doing and Street Fighter V is doing it and Guilty Gear Strive is do, is doing it too and to come back to Guilty Gear Strive, the it's focusing on uh, counter it and uh, that's a terrible idea because as we said before, players that they, they mash buttons and things like that and if you do the 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 when you do have two unexperienced players playing and they mash buttons counter it are going to happen all the time and this way when you you when you make i don't know uh when you make them important in gameplay like street fighter 5 did with the crush counter or, or strive does it with massive counter it uh, text on the on the stage and a lot of time to combo right after then you say to the players okay you the player can maybe say okay i lost but at the end, I did a massive counter hit. I did the super inside, and that did like 80% damage. You know, 
I lost, but I did this. But the problem is that it makes the, 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 the experience for all the players quite dull because if everything is important, everything is big, everything, thing like that, well, the, the, the game becomes boring. There's no, you know, level in, uh, in excitement inside this. And uh, that's a thing that uh, I think game designers should maybe not do uh, is, uh, is trying to focus on bad players to balance the game or balance what's actually exciting inside the game. But well, that's, yeah. that's my opinion on it. And that's all. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Okay. And uh, as you are saying in, uh, in chat, we are almost three hours and 30 minutes <laughs> of podcast. <laughs> that's a very long episode. Well, oh, yeah. anything well, I mean, else? I a lot, though. I mean, because, you know, we're talking about the beta and it brings up a lot when it comes to what fighting games need or don't need. So, mm -hmm. you know, it makes sense that we kind of went in a lot more than <laughs> we normally do. <laughs> yeah, we don't normally uh, talk about gameplay that much. Yeah. I, I don't actually... This has uh, been a really um, substantial conversation for me. Like, th this is going in my database, you know, for, for when I design games in the future, just some of the, the <laughs> stuff that's come up here. Yeah. It's a very yeah. good philosophical discussion here. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, if you do a fighting game, Richmond, please don't sell it saying, oh, it's easy, you're going to master it in 10 minutes. No. <laughs> please. I think that's like the least that we would have to, to worry mm -hmm. about. I mean, anybody that knows me and, and, and follows me on Twitter knows that like Richmond and people like us, like that's the last thing that we're going to do. Um, I, I think if anything, uh, which I already have in place, I have somebody in place that is preventing me from intentionally making the coolest Kusoge fighting game ever. So... <laughs> But that, that's something that that's maybe maybe we can end it this way. But that's something I'm surprised that with Dark Souls we talk about ten years ago. Dark Souls says prepare to die, things like that. Why anyone making a fighting games hasn't tried making an hardcore fighting games and saying to people you're not prepared, you will not dare playing this game. You know, yeah, <laughs> you will not dare buy this game and give us money. Well, <laughs> I mean, if, maybe that's dangerous, but well, if you, you want to know, if you want to know something like uh, with what I'm quietly working on, one of the design philosophies and moto, like mottos, I guess, of what we're trying to do is that it is perfectly okay to make your opponent's life miserable. Like that is something that is in my design document. <laughs> like that is like a legitimate statement that has been like the focus of what it is that we're doing so i mean i can't speak for other people but like i know that within reason and i and i put that in here you know within reason that uh i will make a fighting game that embodies that idea um because i think that ingenuity discovery and like fun needs to be uh injected back a bit more in fighting games than it has been um <laughs> I think the adage of the game industry overall, though, has always been easy to play, difficult to master. Right? Like you, not like, every game can be third strike, though. That's that's a really <laughs> hard, like 
in, in Capcom, you know, like, I feel like some of what they did was even accidental on their own merits. Like, that game is, like, super special, man. So, like, that's a hard thing to recreate. Um, um, it's more of an aspiration, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it, I mean, it, uh, uh, those games are so organically developed, you know? And I, I do think that's something that's missing from a lot of modern games. They're a bit too um, refined. Like, like the whole thing is already in yeah, a spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah uh, I was going to say they are, they are making fighting games in Excel now. Yeah. Instead of yeah, killing are, it. Yeah. No, no, but you're, you're, you're like <laughs> laughing. But actually, I, I interviewed the, the, you know, the, the famous game designer from, um, from Capcom. Um, what's his name? The guy that did Marvel 2 and things like that. It was like, oh, I don't think about balance. I don't think about competitive scene of esports, things like that. I just want to make a fun game. And, and I, yeah. when I interviewed it, it was in, I think, 2016, and we were in full esports extravaganza. And he was like, I don't care, lol. <laughs> that was That's so the fun. That's attitude to have, though. That, yeah. I mean, especially now, you, you can, there's, so many universities offer a game design major, uh, so it's become very regimented. And then there's more resources than ever online. You, you can watch so many videos. There's the GDC Vault tutorials, and it's it's awesome. Stuff's getting very refined, but um, like you said, it's getting too buttoned down too, uh, where it, it's too curated. It's like someone's like, I'm gonna you know just lay down these tracks, and people will go down them, and yeah. they're they're forgetting the dynamism of, of fighting games which is like self-expression and, and surprising other people and that, that's why the best ones have this long tail where it's like mind game after mind game layer after layer you know yeah. people are still yeah. discovering that's that's part of why like even on uh on my twitter like i because usually i just post art and like music but like recently like i've decided to show people like stuff that I do and tournaments that I watch because I mean on a base level they're like oh okay he likes third strike oh he likes alpha 2 oh he likes CBS 2 okay but on another level like the idea is to consistently and readily sort of like present games that embody uh, you know like design philosophies that I want to incorporate in my own stuff so you know but uh, but yeah that's uh you know, there's a lot of things you that are still unexplored. In um, we talked about how people, you know, feel they don't play when they when they have to guard or they take a combo, things like that. And you really, for example, you watching Killer Instinct, for example, the the 2013 game. You really need to watch this game. More, more fighting game designers need to watch this game because it's a game that you, where you play even if you take a combo because you can break combos. You know. And there's a lot of things to learn from this game, I think, and a lot of things to explore in the in, in this spectrum to to give people ways to escape and reset the game or things like that without coming to s stupid things like breaking the corner or or <laughs> making you uh, making you lose for winning a situation, you know, punishing you for winning a situ situation. So there's a lot a lot a lot of things to do in the fighting game spectrum. Isn't that like a free-to-play game too? 
You can play. Uh, there's a there's a free version with a, a rolling character, but I think in the free version you can play online and and there's the tutorial too, and it's yeah. often uh, it's often at ten dollars uh, on Steam, so pick it. And uh, you never played the the, the, the last Kira Instinct, Richman? No. I, I oh totally my god! Oh my god! Hey, to be honest, this game is what Capcom tried to do with Street Fighter V, but never managed to do. <laughs> That's basically the same mechanics, the, the, the same, you know, footsies game, the same like uh, V-Trigger Instinct, things like that. But this game is basically Street Fighter IV, cross Killer Instinct, cross Vampire Savior. Oh, wow. So it's, okay. it's, it's an amazing game, a very... Uh, th this game needs to be played way, way more and studied way more because I'm... Then basically, you know, it's a game where you do the, the, the super grab with the, the grappler in this game. If you didn't jump before, it's too late. It's zero frame. Ah, okay. In, in, the, two ta in, in the last 10 years, have you seen a game with this? You know, a major fighting game with this, not an indie one. Never, you know. And, yeah. there's, and each character has unique traits, unique gameplay mechanics unique things that's it's an incredible game that's an incredible game you really need to play this game really okay. really, really, really i'll check it out and james yeah. if you want to play it i'm i'm your man too all right that's what's up like because okay. i i've always kind of seen it from afar and i've understood it to be something that i actually would enjoy yeah it's so busted you're gonna enjoy so <laughs> like, like, I, like like when you and then when you mentioned vampire savior it's like man there's not a lot of games that get compared to that, and that game is one of one of my favorite uh, fighting games in terms of how it maintains certain momentum. Uh, so that's actually a good thing. That that actually makes me want to play Ki that much more. Oh, so. you're 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 in. I think you can spend like one week discovering just the characters because they're so different. There's so many things to do, so many things. For example, like just the Ryu of the game, Jago, you know, when he activates instinct and he, he launched two fireballs instead of one, you see? So basic thing. But if you hit with the fireballs, you regain life. And it's not like small life. It's like you can maximize and get back all your wall life bar just oh, with man. a combo. <laughs> what? That's the kind of crazy shit they're doing in, the, in this game. Sorry for the, the shit thing, but this game is that there's no game like this actually. That's probably the funniest game you can play right now, and with the its inclusion at Evo 2020, you're going to see it a lot more. And uh, oh my god, oh my god, we can yeah. I think I think we can do a five-hour episode just on this game. Yeah, let's, oh, let's, okay. Let's do that in the future. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, back 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 to Guilty Gear. Uh, it's it's nice. I love going down these different paths. I, I always learn a lot talking to you guys. Um, my goodness, we've been talking about Guilty Gear for quite a while now. <laughs> I, could, I feel like we could teach like a college course on Guilty Gear. I think we have enough uh, hours uh, in lectures. Right. right. Um, I think let's uh, let's wrap up by just having everyone talk about how they feel about the series as a whole. I, th I think we thoroughly examined um, Stride, which you know was is just a beta. It's, it's got so much room to change. Uh, let's let's maybe wrap it up with just you know, like 
What what does Guilty Gear mean to you? Um, I think it represents a uh, particular type of uh, expression within fighting games. Uh, I think that for the past 20 years, they have maintained an idea of uh, individualized expression. Uh, I think that it represents something that I really think is important in fighting games is to just make something great. Uh, aesthetically, gameplay, all of that. I think that, if anything, they're running into some challenges in terms of maintaining that. Um, and I think that Strive is uh, obviously indicative of that. And I think that the, the most beautiful thing that I've seen out of it is that they're listening to the feedback and they're making the necessary changes so that it can be the game that it needs to be. Because that's the kind of developer that you need right now. You need a developer that listens um, and just doesn't, you know, say, okay, we're going to make this uh, E for everyone and that's it. And we're not going to listen to anybody. We're just going to do our thing. Like, I, I think that Strive has the potential to be a better game than it is now. And I, that's all I can hope for, honestly. Because um, it's got a lot of work that it needs. Um, so hopefully... They will listen and continue the legacy that they've they've had, but I mean, you know, twenty plus years ain't nothing to shake a candle at, honestly. Yeah. Let's see, um, uh, Sean, any any thoughts? Um, hmm. I I will say that I, I wanted to point out that by and large, if you go back through all the episodes that we've done on this, uh, I think we were probably the most critical of Strive, and I. I have a lot of belief that um, Arc System Works will uh, will will definitely like make good on a lot of those things. But if you go back, we've generally been lavishing praise on this series because uh, it's very authentic. It's uh, the the vision behind it, the the effort. Uh, to to me, uh, even though like I I don't play it quite as much as I used to, I still play a little bit and everything like that but to me it is one of those games that uh it lands in the category of really demonstrating the level of craft and care that can go into something i think it's something to point to also something that can really only be achieved uh in an interactive medium like it's something to really appreciate how they've been able to combine so many aspects and make it something that you can reach out and that you can reasonably can like use it like an extension of yourself so uh i don't know if i have a point there other than to say that uh, like a as an overall series uh it's it's one of my favorite fighting game ones only because like it continues pushing the bar uh like t to the point we've been making is it's like there are so many points in time where arxis could have stopped and been happy with how this game looked and felt and like, I, I kind of agree with what we were talking about with even the Strive stuff. In looking at it, even though I make games and I've worked on them for a while, like, it boggles my mind what they've achieved. Like, even when every time I look, re look at a video, I'm just like, I'm struggling to understand how they made it look this good. Like, even, it's like one of the differences between seeing a picture of something and seeing it in person to some degree, is I feel like I'm seeing it in person every time where I'm just like, wow, the lines look this good. It does this in action. And I, I just, it's one of those things where I think if you're into games at all, even if you don't play it, it's uh, the fact that they've been able to maintain the level of quality, the the weirdness, the animation, that, that they're still doing this and they're still pushing the bar. 
I think it's something to be really respected and admired. Nice. Well said. Uh, Thomas, got a, I know you got lots of thoughts on Guilty yeah, Gear. Well, the, the, I think both Sean and James like summed it up very well. Uh, to me, it's it's very an important part of my life since it's uh, since I've been playing it like since the the, the mid two thousands and being went to tournaments for this game and uh, it had a huge influence on me too. So I'm happy. I'm actually very happy about what they are doing with Strive in a, from a, an aesthetic perspective because the, the of course I love this game. I love this kind of game and all, but. I don't have uh, the time right now to learn this kind of game, which requires, you know, a lot of uh, dedication, and uh, and my taste evolved to other type of fighting games. So right now, I only play very casually on at Guilty Gear, and even if I don't like Strive's gameplay, the the the, the aesthetics, the it's so inspiring outside of the game you know it's just just as a fan you know as a as a medium to like and uh, that's something i really enjoy so well i hope we are going to see some older characters come back <laughs> yeah things like that but no I, I wish them the best of course and i think maybe I, i'm curious maybe we are onto with strive on something close to you know street fighter 3 new challenges and maybe in two or three years, when the game will have evolved to something else, something more deep and more interesting to us experienced players, maybe we'll be able to say like it's the third strike of uh, of Guilty Gear, which is very different from the other games, but very interesting in, in its own right. And uh, so I, I'm going to give them some time to refine it and uh, we'll see how it evolves. Oh, my goodness. That That's I got chills at that proposition <laughs> yeah. yeah oh man yeah i think I um yeah for for me uh, i you guys have summed it up so well um all i have to add is like they, they've done such a wonderful job uh, evolving uh, the series over time just they keep re reinventing themselves and uh just they keep pushing the bar for for the the, the personal you know excellence like that, that 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 they can bring to these games. Um, so that that's that's what I love about the series. Like it's 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 so sincere, and it's so high craft, and just so well executed, and it all just comes together in a really. Uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm at a loss for words. Uh, basically, it's just nothing else feels like Guilty Gear. That's like the best thing I can say about it. It's it's um, got a. a totally unique uh, feeling to it um and it's just really exciting to see them continuously re uh, reinventing themselves and yet somehow maintaining that same uh core spirit so super excited to see uh, where the game goes um in the future yeah <laughs> oh my gosh um i guess that uh can yeah concludes our our epic multi-part uh, look at not just the Guilty Gear games, but just uh, Arc System Works uh, in general. So um, thank you guys for for hanging out every every week, coming back to this and, and just um, sharing your experiences and your, your insight and expertise on this. 
I, I, it's, pleasure, it's, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, let's uh, let's keep doing this. <laughs> if you yeah, guys are I mean, up for it, I, I would love I'm to keep talking about fighting games. Up for it. I mean, we can we can talk about Third Strike. We can talk about any fighting game. Like yeah, I yeah. would love to continue uh, doing podcast about like one of the most like visceral experiences that I've, I've I've been able to have in my life outside of creating art. But to yeah. me, creating art and playing fighting games are kind of the same thing, just in different ways. So, um, you know, I'm 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 all about being able to talk about this stuff, man. So, you know, I'm, I'm down. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Um, before before we end this, let's um, maybe everyone can go around to talk talk a little bit about your your online presence, how people can uh, keep following you after the podcast. Um, okay. Um, I guess I'll start that. Um, Go for it. So, I, I mean, my, my, my real name is James Stanley, but on the Twitters, uh, I am known as Beefy underscore Kunoichi. I am the artist, writer, and creator of Part-Time Shuffle, which is an independent comic series that I'm actually currently working on. Um, it is a multifaceted project. There are other things that are connected to Part-Time Shuffle that I'm also quietly working on, one of them which I have alluded to in this podcast um, any sort of uh, development or updates on these things can be seen on my Twitter, which again is beefy underscore kunoichi. Um, I'm also on Instagram, and the name there is stride underscore driver. Um, and you can also find my art and uh, any other further development on this project. And uh, yeah, outside of that, I am uh, a freelance storyboard artist. And uh, if you need somebody for cool animation stuff you know definitely hit me up nice yes uh, james is an excellent artist uh, so please uh take him up on that check out his work okay uh thomas okay there? so yeah i'm here <laughs> okay, so sorry. i'm uh so you can find me on twitter at thomasaurus with an o so t-h-o-m a-S-O-R-U-S. Oh, that's hard in English. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I also uh, manage a website about fighting games, but it's in French. So if you're French, you can find it easily. It's called Bagropoint. And uh, outside that, I'm a freelance writer uh, about fighting games exclusively. <laughs> but I suppose you, you can guess it. I worked for, notably, my last clients were mostly Red Bull Esports for their events and things like that. I'm also a software and web developer, so uh, if you need a website, maybe you can contact me if you like the Artiter website. Yeah. And uh, I think that's all. That's all for me. Well, play yeah. fighting games, they're fun. Yeah, and... Um... Uh, Thomas is an excellent web developer. He's the reason that uh, arteater.com is back online. Um, uh, I, I, so, I so wouldn't say excellent, but uh, I, I, I can do some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Sean? Oh, uh, you can uh, find me uh, on Twitter at uh, Daborsk, D-A-B-O-R-S-K. Um, Worth, worth noting, uh, I um, used to work at Blizzard. Uh, I am now the vice president of design at NZXT. So uh, mostly you'll be getting hearing stuff about 
uh, gaming PCs, hardware, and stuff like that. I'll probably mostly be producing content uh, under the Art Eater name anyway, so uh, not much to do to follow me other than on, on Twitter and follow the Art Eater uh, um, podcast and uh, website as well. Yeah, and um, I mean, Sean, Sean built the original uh, Art Eater blog, and uh, yeah, we've been friends for, for uh, like over a decade now. Uh, years and years, uh, good buddies from college. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, just re- really glad to. <laughs> thanks for you know always being there, uh, and I'm um, glad we we can still work on Art Eater together like this after all these years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, odds uh, chances are may, you probably follow me on Twitter um, at Richmond underscore Lee. Um, uh, founder of ArtEater.com, um, and of course, if you want to follow Art Eater on online, uh, keep in, keep up with the latest podcasts. Uh, you can also follow at Art Eater Podcast. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, um, I know uh, there, there's so many uh, different um, uh, crazy things going on in the world right now. But um, I hope uh, if you're listening, you, you've been able to, you know, stay safe. And I hope we've been able to uh, make your day a little bit more interesting. That's, that's yeah. And so thank you for listening and have, have a good one. Later. Later.